Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. We're your TV necromancers, Laura Prince and Noah Houlihan. We have come here tonight to, to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should just, I don't know, stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we will analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season, and thank God for that. With me, as always, is TV's Noah Woolahan. Let's pour one out so we can start drinking. All right. Uh, real quick, before we start, um, we're doing part two of Heather's The 2018 TV Series. Uh, please consider this a blanket trigger warning. Uh, this show handles every issue and does it poorly. Yes. So we're going to be talking about upsetting things. So if you don't want to do that, don't. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to be mad at you if you don't listen to this one. It's okay. Yes. And I'd like to include this disclaimer of uh, this was our first Patreon voted episode. Uh, Matthew was nice enough to suggest this and supply it for us to watch. And then the majority of our patrons selected this one over a cartoon by Fred Armisen, I believe was the, the other choice. Papa No Good. Yeah. Uh, our feelings towards this show do not reflect our feelings towards our patrons. We hold no ill will towards you. <laughs> we think this will be a fine episode. But we have very strong opinions about this show. I just don't want anyone to take it personally. No, and uh, legitimately, uh, Matthew said he actually like thought like thought I would have a field day with this because I actually do like the movie and love the musical. Yeah. So I was legitimately excited to watch this mm-hmm. show. So that I also want to put that up there. Of, I'm not offended by the idea of Heather's mm-hmm. because that's going to be a really important thing with how this shakes out. Yes. So let's pour one out. I didn't want to expend creative energy on this, so I'm having a beer. Oh. All the domestic beer that's rotted Jade's brain. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Look, I tied it in. It's a Lining Kugel Snowdrift Vanilla Porter. Because? Uh, I had one. Gotcha. Uh, there's a part where they do uh, shots of uh, banana snops in it. Yes. So I have a shot of 99 bananas. It's also the strongest liquor I had. Down the hatch! I want to point out that uh, Noah also has a Coke Zero with blue curacao in it uh, because. Because one drink was not going to be enough. Oh, I just thought it, it wasn't a stay doomed if no one drinks blue curacao. Oh, yeah, that's true, too. Woo! So I haven't done a shot of 99 bananas, I think, ever. <sighs> so let's get into this. So episode six opens with. Before you even go into it. Okay. Into We had a little bit of a discussion on how we want to run this show for this one, uh, because we have to talk about uh, five episodes, and they all run about 40-some minutes, and we have a lot to say at the end, because this is part two, and like, since this is the review of the whole show, we're going to have to talk about stuff in part one of the episode and all this other stuff, so we want to get this through this as quickly as possible, and as thoroughly as possible, and we can't do that with me flipping out every five minutes. It's true. So. What I we, have this timer up on Google. Okay, I have a timer too. Okay. Uh, let, let me pull up the timer here. Uh, we are going to put 10 minutes on the clock, all right? And the way it'll work is for 
episode six through nine, because ten will have a lot to talk about. Yes, because ten we're also going to start moving into the show holistically. Yeah. Uh, episodes six through nine, we're going to put ten minutes on the clock, okay? And I am going to remain silent until Lara's done recapping. Then I'll use, we'll use whatever remaining time we have to flip out about stuff. Right. This way we'll actually get to discuss things. Yep. Okay. Episode six. Ready? Set? Go. Okay, we open on a weird cold open of all black and white first lady Veronica Sawyer, JD's president, but this very like Woodrow Wilson-esque, like we don't see him and she's in charge. So they know that lies and betrayal of any kind are unacceptable and can never happen again. Uh, we get another new Blacklight intro. The theme song still slaps. And we're in the mental institution because somehow after the burned out car, uh, Veronica manages to convince somebody. We don't see it because that would be interesting. Uh, she manages to convince someone he intended to blow the car up himself uh, as a suicide attempt and gets him put on a psych hold. Uh, JD is restrained to the bed with what looks like leather belts. Uh, this is not what a psych hold would look like in 2020. But it's, it, again, this very, like, Riverdale-y, we do some things out of time because. Meanwhile, I'm going to rush through the JD Veronica storyline because that's not the fun part. So... Veronica is forging JD's diary and she calls herself judge, jury, and executioner. This whole thing is her training JD and breaking him down to be the perfect boyfriend. And JD at one point like freaks out and Veronica fakes being scared. The nurse sedates him while Veronica smiles. Uh, And we also see she's wearing her trademark blue, but she is knitting a red scarf. And we saw her with a red jacket at the end of last episode kind of pivoting Veronica Blue into Chandler Red. Um, So then uh, she begins to start forging letters from JD, apologizing for his uh, poor actions, like skipping Heather McNamara's funeral. And at the end of it, we kind of get this nice scene with uh, Tina, or Tina with a Y, who is Big Bud Dean's girlfriend, and she's really charming and delightful to V or to Veronica, and Veronica is nice right back. But Big Bud, JD's father, says, like, you're a disappointment just like your mother, which is like a really rough moment for JD and is reminding us, like, hey, JD has faced down a lot of trauma. Mm, he messed up. And so Veronica kind of, right before the end of JD's psych hold, because this whole episode takes place over three days, uh, she says, like, JD, I don't want to hurt you. Why would you lie to an equal? JD f- spaces out. Veronica throws a vase and then goes, why did you throw that vase, JD? I'm so scared. Even though he's still restrained and could not have physically thrown the vase. And uh, JD robotically responds. She accuses him of lying. And Veronica does the scene straight out of the movie where she fakes her own suicide when JD is released from the hospital. And if you've seen the movie or the musical, you know she's faking because it's in all versions. JD steals a scalpel on his way out of the mental hospital and he is coming to kill Veronica. And he is horrified when he finds her hanging body. Even more sick and twisted than I could ever hope to be. You blew up my car. You had me committed. She cuts herself down. Like, she just unties the harness and she's like, ta-da! And he goes, 
oh damn. And it's actually pretty funny, good line reading. The lighting is all purple, which purple starts to become JD's color at this point. They fall on the bed as the episode ends, and that's all of JD and Veronica's plot. They go to Bone Town. They go to Bone Town. Anyway, meanwhile, uh, the good part of this episode is we get some good old-fashioned high school bullshit, which we've needed desperately in this show. Mm -hmm. And it's the warfare between Duke and Chandler over the school play. And uh, Duke is doing choreography, and Chandler can't do a split. Uh, because of her body type, and Duke kind of comes down on her for not being able to do it and saying, like, um, you know, we, maybe we need an actress who can do it. Now, reminder that Lizzie was originally cast in the role, but they got rid of her pretty uh, unceremoniously last episode. Yes. And then we get another stupid freaking scene with the teachers where they debate Heather Duke's pronouns Mm -hmm. for, like, ever. And then, because Heather Duke, in frustration holds up a big cardboard gun that is clearly not even like a prop gun. It is made out of cardboard and says, bang, pointing it at Chandler. Maybe we need a new choreographer. Hmm? Someone who gets art. Oh. Or maybe we need a new actress. Bang. (gasps) And then she gets in trouble for it. Yes. And then they were like, We expelled Lizzie for bringing a gun to school, Maurice. Okay, Lizzie was poor. We didn't know what she was capable of. Let's be honest. Them's not hurting anyone. I've never heard of a redhead committing a crime. Redheads don't commit crimes. Because mm. again, the show dances with these racial issues, but doesn't really know how to handle them, and so therefore just doesn't. Okay, I can't hold my tongue. I have to just say this quick thing. Okay. Uh, Already first episode in, you can't do it. I know, but but that, that line bothered me so much, because you know what I realized the actor who plays uh, Heather Duke looks like? Huh. The Dark Knight Rising shooter. Huh. Like, as soon as that line came up, I googled a picture of the Dark Knight Rising shooter, and it's like, yeah, they look similar enough. That's a real fucked up thing to say. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this... I I am pretty sure this show was not thinking about that, because that would require thought. Yes, I'm putting my hands over my mouth. Okay. So, Duke's punishment is that they force her to do the AV club trying to, like, humble her by making her do a not-cool thing. You know, by giving her a platform. Uh, so, Duke watches a Nancy Grace-esque show. Because uh, Nancy Grace is going to... Is doing a thing about Sherwood, Ohio. Uh, fake Nancy Grace. Uh, she's played by, uh, I believe, Casey Phillips from uh, Happy Endings. Who's cool. And um, lost my train of thought with that piece of trivia. I'm like Russian, so I can get through this. Um, So Duke then gets her own slow motion entrance because she makes her new show as hilarious fake news sensationalist as it can get. And she calls it Hellscape with Heather Duke. And it's hilarious. Uh, Tonally, it's best compared to uh, Power Thirst. Hi, welcome to Hellscape with Heather Duke. Now let's get to some hot takes before we die. Yeah. Was sent to military school. Why does she hate our troops? Not sure. Why don't you ask her? Science, energy, science, energy, electrolytes, turbo lights, power lights, more lights than your, your body, body has room for. Now it's time for Westerberg Expo. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Join us tomorrow. Or don't if you're dead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 9,000 babies. And she gets, like, her own cool slow-motion entrance. And 
It's genuinely very fun. But she manages to undo Heather Chandler with it. Yes. By bringing up that this social media influencer, Amita, who we haven't seen since the pilot, but we know she's somebody who is a big local celebrity who Chandler respects and admires, is coming to this high school musical. And we see uh, Heather Chandler, who's playing a lemming, singing this overwrought ballad about being a lemming. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's genuinely hilarious, and it's a bummer this is all we ever see of the musical. Yes. And after the show, they're having, like, the after party, which I want to point out, the after party is nicer than the eventual prom. And True. Uh, she talks to me, and she's like, how did you like it? And she goes, it was intense. You really think so? I've never seen anything like it. We died. We're dead. It was a lot. Like, all of these very backhanded yeah. compliments. The words you use when you don't have anything nice to say. Yeah. And Amita is better at being a mean girl than Chandler. And Duke and Chandler have a confrontation about Chandler's body positivity. Because mm-hmm. Duke kind of calls out Chandler of like, you don't really love your body. Uh, you just have chosen to accept it because you can't do anything about it. Because once you take away everything else about you, what's left? Just a fat girl with money. And then she kind of does the same thing JD does to her in the pilot. And or Duke does the same thing to Chandler that JD does to Chandler in the pilot. Yeah. Uh, and Chandler again falls for the bait and performatively like starts cramming food in her mouth. Duke rolls her eyes and walks away. And Chandler is humiliated but keeps stuffing her face performatively to show how much she loves her body. Uh, Then she goes to the bathroom, she does the bit from the movie where she spits at the mirror in self-loathing, and then Brianna Parker, trailer Parker, comes in, compliments Chandler's performance, genuinely is like, you're going to be on Broadway someday, and Chandler tells her to grow up. Um, Then we get Duke kind of burning Chandler on hellscape by saying like teenage suicide don't do it was dragged to hell and back by everyone who matters let's pour some gasoline on this dumpster fire shall we (laughs) you know duke holds court chandler snaps chandler's crying in her car in the parking lot sees duke holding court with a bunch of uh students we don't really know that well uh including i think driffany tompkins and like one other student and chandler backs up and hits duke with her car duke is fine yes And we get to the next scene where it's Chandler's about to be expelled. Duke's father is still in the iron lung. So Jade is kind of like her guardian. And Jade is a Lisa Frank nightmare. And I love her. She like lights up a cigarette in school. She is unapologetically just trashy and amazing. And somebody's like, who is this streetwalker? And she responds with one of my favorite lines in this entire series. Streetwalker? I got this at the Good Mall. (laughs) Uh, I love her. She calls Heather Duke undead Rue McClanahan. And she and... uh, Because Heather Chandler's mom immediately judges the crap out of Jade. And so Jade decides to come down on Chandler. uh, Because she's mad at being judged by Chandler's mom. Up until uh, Chandler's mom opens her wallet... And then she's like, how much would it cost to make this go away? And Jade takes $20 from Chandler. Because Jade doesn't really need the money. Because Jade has uh, Duke's father's money. And Duke balks and goes like, "Is is that all my dignity is worth to you? $20? And Jade looks at her 
looks at the money and then hands $10 back to Mama Chandler yeah. in just a great moment. Th- this might be the greatest scene of the series. Yes. Because it's like funny. Nobody's dead. It's very... <laughs> like, and it's like prickly and mean in just a really good, precise way. Mm-hmm. So then we have Duke and Chandler like going through their social media in their separate bedrooms. And they're watching... They're both watching the same nature documentary. And we see a split screen of them yelling... Run, you dumb baby bunny. (laughs) And we get this moment of like Duke and Chandler are birds of a feather in a horrible, horrible way. Um, This is the best episode to me because JD and Veronica are entirely like Archie from Riverdale style divorced from the plot. Mm -hmm. And we actually get to see the characters who are fun do fun, horrible things. And it feels like Heather's. It feels like a fun, terrible high school drama. And this is easily the best episode of the show. Yes. We watched this and we were like, maybe there's hope for this show. Yeah. Like, like it, there's still missteps in it. Yeah, because I, I I said this about other shows in Stay Doomed, of if your best friend said, this is my favorite show, and then you watched this episode, you'd probably be like, oh, this show must be great. Yeah. Uh, but the, the rest of it does not link up to the fun of this show, because there's a lot of fun in this episode. Yeah. Like, I... Did, in fact, enjoy this episode. Yeah. Uh, I had hopes for the rest of the show with this episode. How did I do on time? Uh, I I stopped. You probably went about 12, but I did interrupt you once. So I'm going to rapid fire a few things I'm upset about, and then we'll move on. Okay. Unless you also have some stuff you're upset about. Uh, No. Okay. uh, One, there's a scene of Heather Duke where Heather Duke is now, like, on top. Because of her show. Mm -hmm. And the song choice is, that girl is a tomboy? Yeah, it's a very... the most confusing choice I could imagine. Which is weird, because usually the song choices up to now have at least been, like, kind of good. Like, Heaven is a Place on Earth was, like, a fun use and Halo from Beyonce. But, like, it's it's strange because it's kind of like saying, like, Heather Duke is a female because she chooses she, her pronouns. But now that she's powerful, she's male yeah, again. Yeah, but her best qualities are her masculine ones. Like, it's a very confusing message. There's also a very pro-surviving suicide message. Like, attempt suicide for the attempt attention seems to be a message in this episode. Yeah. As is, being body positive means not dieting. Because, like... There's a message in this of if you loved your body, you wouldn't diet and try to change it, which I think is super harmful. Yeah, like, because they could have gone the other way very easily with Chandler and had an episode, and it would have just been an episode because the show does not have the attention span to have a plot line for more than an episode Mm -hmm. of Chandler going very hard in the other direction and showing, like, disordered eating. Yeah. Uh, which I'm very grateful they don't do. But uh, the idea is that they just never figure out how it'll like. Mm-hmm. The The show is kind of using the fact that Chandler is a healthy at any size, at every size type activist. And just using it to be able to make fat jokes about the character. And yeah. force the character into demeaning situations. Yeah. So, uh... A lot of awful in that as well. A lot of awful messages hiding underneath what is the best episode of Heather's. Yep. Episode 7? Episode 7. All right. We'll reset the clock. Okay. And go. 
the longest, most boring cold open ever. We get Veronica going on about her freaking diary and talking about like fairy tales and princesses. I've been technically complicit in a few murders, but at least I don't talk to rats. Over the song, it only takes a moment from Hello Dolly, which is also most commonly known nowadays as being the song in Wally. I love Wally and I hate this show. Anywho, uh, Heather Chandler ends up on the receiving end of her own crap because she's on currently a fall from grace. And she realizes she's not a good person and has a come to Jesus moment where she sees a, a support group of other versions of herself. The version of herself that JD and Veronica attacked, the version of herself from like essentially before the events of the show, and a version of herself who is like an older, wiser mm-hmm. version of Heather Chandler. And they kind of have like this support group where they realize like we are the common thread of our problems. We are not a victim. We are not a good person. And we find out that it is Heather McNamara's birthday today. Right. And we kind of get like nice moments with Duke and Veronica. Uh, This is when the show remembers that we have to have friendships in this show. Because in this episode and next episode, really for the next three episodes, we really hit the Duke and Veronica friendship pretty hard. And they plan to go out for Heather M's birthday. And so there's like a Mexican restaurant she likes, uh, but they're going to go out drinking because they're seniors now. Yes, they want to get fancy. They want to get rich men to buy them drinks. Just like Heather M would have wanted. And so Chandler, that's that's what they say. Yeah. That is directly a line from the I know, it's just I'm going to I'm going to pause cuz I'm I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to interrupt you. No, it, it just it just dawned on me. Getting men to buy them drinks mm-hmm. because they're underage and like but through flirting if that's what McNamara would have wanted, really flies in the face of this whole it's terrible that she's straight thing. Yeah, I didn't even hit that. Yeah, it just dawned on me. It's like, oh, so it would have been okay for her to pretend to be straight to get drinks, but actually being straight is condemnable. The show makes no goddamn sense. Okay, can I talk again? Yes, restarting the timer, I'm sorry. So Chandler goes on an apology tour and apologizes to all of these characters for things they that she has done to them. Uh, there are two memorable ones, and those are the ones I'm going to hit. She apologizes to Duke and gets slapped. Her apology to Duke, I only wrote one of the things she apologizes for, which is, I'm sorry I sold your underwear to the Japanese. <laughs> and Duke looks at her and goes, what day is today? And Chandler goes, it's Friday. And Duke goes, what else? And Chandler kind of flounders. And... Duke says, today is Heather McNamara's birthday. And that's when I realized that, uh, because the previous scene with Duke and Veronica, they were in gym clothes. Duke is wearing all black instead of green and is wearing a yellow flower on her chest Mm -hmm. for Heather McNamara. So like Chandler couldn't even remember one of her so-called best friend's birthdays, the first one after her death. And then Chandler calls trailer Brianna and apologizes. And then in a heart-rending scene, Brianna begs Chandler to only hit her below the waist where she can't feel it anymore. <sighs> Brianna's character is just just horrifying in this episode. We haven't made fun of the physically handicapped yet, so it's glad, I'm glad they were able to fit that in. Uh, Chandler's actually wearing red instead of, like, pinks in this episode. And Brianna kind of talks about how Heather M used to bully her, but at least, like, she was clever about it, which is a very informed trait, because we really didn't see Heather M say much of anything to anyone. Chandler invites Brianna to have dinner with her, at the restaurant that Heather McNamara loved. 
she won. I'm not really sure in Chandler's tiny red car how Brianna's scooter gets there. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> uh, but Brianna's in her passenger seat. And, like, Chandler forgets Brianna in the car initially. Yeah. And has to, like, go back for her. Duke and Veronica are at a, uh, like, sleazy little dive bar that doesn't card. And they do a shot of vanilla banana schnapps first yes. because it's yellow because of uh, McNamara. And they see Mr. Waters, who was the statutory rapist who had victimized Heather McNamara and several other girls who are underage. Mm-hmm. And we see that he is chatting up another young looking girl who doesn't look unlike Heather McNamara. And she kind of looks like a blend of Heather McNamara and Lindsay and uh, Lizzie. Yes. Like she's styled to look a little more like Lizzie. And uh, there's a line that is too clever by half of she needs a Manny, not a pedo, which is totally a line a high schooler would think was clever. Yeah. And it's not that bad. So I'm going to give it a pass. Uh, Duke is glaring at Waters and talks about like what she would do to Waters given half a chance. And we can tell that Veronica has already made the decision that Waters will not survive the episode. Yes. Uh, we go back to the Mexican restaurant and Brianna wants to say grace. And Chandler is trying to be nice, but is just like bad at it. And Brianna's like, are you going to carry me? And she doesn't mean physically carry. She means like Stephen King pour yeah. pig's blood on her. Yeah. She's like, can we at least eat first? We don't get to the really, there's, it's so much worse. There's so Um, many bad lines. And she goes like, We'll take this whole column. Thank you. No, I'm fine with the chips and the tomato water. And Chandler's like, order food. And it's very weird. And she also says like, I'll let you take a selfie with me. And she lets Brianna Parker take a selfie with her and then asks, Could you post it? I'm out of minutes. I'm sorry, I literally don't understand what you're saying. Anyway, back to the bar. Becky, who's the replacement Heather M, is, like, trying to get away from Waters, but he starts, like, guilting her about it. He's bought her drinks and she should stay. And, oh, I thought you were fun. I thought you were cool. I thought you were a nice girl. And Becky goes to the bathroom while Duke is, like, on the... Duke has drunk-dialed Kurt, so Duke is, like, dispatched. And Veronica sees Waters roofie Becky while Becky's in the bathroom line. So Veronica gets up, goes to the bathroom line, and is like, that man is bad. And Becky's like, no, it's okay. And Veronica's like, I saw him put something in your drink. And Becky's like, oh, well, I'm out. And Veronica's like, cool. Mm -hmm. And for a moment, Veronica is relatable and likable. Yeah, for a whole moment. Uh, Meanwhile, Heather Duke is wasty face. Veronica drags her out. And Duke passes out in the back seat, screaming, I want a grilled cheese. Uh, relatable. We find out today is the anniversary of the croquet killer's mur- the croquet killer murder. Yes. Uh, which we now know was Veronica. Veronica leaves Duke in the car, goes to get JD, and goes, "Let's make out, get slushies, and avenge Heather's suicide." And JD goes, "Okay." <laughs> uh, back to the Mexican restaurant. Uh, Chandler doesn't mind paying because Brianna's like, "I can't pay for this meal," and Chandler's like. I'll pay for this and uses daddy's credit card. And uh, we find out that Brianna has done service work in Guatemala. She's done like missionary service work. She's done, she's built a well in Guatemala. Mm-hmm. And Chandler's kind of floored that like Brianna is poor, but can find it in herself to do things for people who are somehow even less fortunate. And like Chandler's very stricken by this. And then decides in that moment, Brianna is her Guatemalan well. 
which is like kind of a attempt at making Chandler human. So we get to Mr. Waters' house and we get this very like purgy looking scene where JD and Veronica are wearing uh Prince William and Princess Kate Middleton masks. Yes. They're like cardboard masks with holes cut out. And we see them kind of sneak up behind Waters. And they tie him up and menace him. And Veronica makes it pretty clear, like, hey, we're here because of Heather McNamara. Mm-hmm. And he claims he loved Heather. Heather loved him. Heather wouldn't have wanted this. Right. And uh, then Veronica, because Veronica cannot do anything right. She and JD get so wrapped up in each other, Waters almost escapes. Yes. And Waters tries to run out his front door, only to be met by a very wasted Heather Duke. Yeah. Who goes, hey, you're that asshole. And in a moment that I actually very much enjoyed, Heather Duke just headbutts him. Yes, and demands a grilled cheese. And go, no, she just yells, hey, freaks. And, just, <laughs> and then, like, she wanders over to his record player. Yeah. And, like, just starts looking for something to put on and puts on uh, the electric youth. Mm-hmm. And so JD and Veronica rig up uh, a fake suicide for Mr. Waters by asphyxiating him over the car. Yes. Uh, in his car, which I know you're, you have your fingers over the timer because you're going to say uh, this is a how-to manual on how to actually do it, which is bad. Uh, but we'll get back to that. The murder actually works, but it's they kind of look at each other and they're like, I love you while this man is dying. And it's very dissonant. And we find out that Brianna and Heather Duke went to the same Bible camp because Heather Duke filmed a commercial for conversion therapy. And Duke, like, then passes out. Veronica forges a suicide note from Waters, also confessing to the croquet killing. JD is like, good job. They haul Duke out. They get Duke to bed. Duke tells Veronica she's going to make a good mommy. Weird. And then Chandler almost texts Duke. The conversion video stops herself because she's becoming a better person. And then Duke drunk texts something terrible to Chandler. Chandler goes, oh, Bride of Chucky wants to play games. Uh, Chandler sends Duke the conversion therapy video. Uh, Duke says, how did that Ursula looking pork bun get this? JD and Veronica are back in JD's room. They've just had sex. They're getting redressed. Veronica doesn't want to kill people anymore. She has to go study. And she's like, I have a chem exam. And JD's like, chemistry is my favorite subject. And she is a bomb. And then we see that Veronica's parents pretty much know she killed Lucy. But Lexi Ann, who's this episode's Nancy Grace, uh, totally buys the confession. They yell, put her back. And we just watch them drop this 10-year-old girl's casket out of a crane. Mm -hmm. And... Veronica is driving off again to It Only Takes a Moment, and then we see a cartoon bird, signifying that she has found her fairy tale. Fitting. How did I do? You, you, you did like a little bit over. My finger was over the button to pause it so the alarm didn't go off. Okay. <laughs> so the, the car suicide thing is really bad, because it, it, it is a how-to. Yeah, like, oh, I'm not going to go into detail, uh, but like... You know, the idea of asphyxiating on your own car is a, a known suicide method. Yeah. But, like, not only does this show show you how to do it, but how to do it, like, really well. Yeah, like, how to do it most efficiently. Like, yeah, there's some stuff that is shown or, like, uh, like you may not have thought of. So, like, it doesn't make a lot of sense. On top of that, like, they show the teacher, like... 
banging on the windows and trying to get out as JD and Veronica hold the doors shut. Mm -hmm. Which means he's sitting on a powered car. Which means he could, you know, one, turn on the air vents. Yeah. Two, drive the fuck away. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Like he's not bound in any way. Yeah, just throw it in reverse, dude. And like... The, the one thing I, I just, I need to bring up is this scene with Trailer Parker in the restaurant. Yes. Because they kind of do this thing where, because she's poor, she's clearly stupid. Yeah. Because she She said, calls salsa tomato water, but then establishes that she's been to Guatemala. Yeah, and like, is familiar with this food. She also calls a restaurant a sit-down food store. Yeah. So implying that she's so poor that she's never heard the word restaurant. She exists in society. She's a senior in high school. She's a senior in high school. And, like, she's a senior in what appears to be a wealthy area. Exactly. Because she is made... One of the things with uh, Parker is she is made fun of because she is poor. Which means that being poor is not a common... Like, this is a wealthy town. It's not. She is the poor kid. It's not... Yeah. That there is a poor community. Like, you wouldn't have someone who, in a lower income area, where all of the kids are of a similar socioeconomic strata, where it's like, well, she's the poor kid and we're all going to bully her. Everyone else that we know in this is depicted as being pretty wealthy. Yeah. And, like, you could do the jokes where Heather Chandler is rich, uh, Brianna Parker is poor. So while they try to communicate at the restaurant, they miss each other. And they do a good job with, like, I'm out of minutes. I don't know what you're talking about. But you could make those jokes with things like, you know, what are you going to order? And have her say, just like, I'm fine with the chips. They're free and they will refill them. Yeah. And, like, it reminds me of South Park when they bring in Starvin' Marvin and they try to explain what an appetizer is. Yeah. Like, you eat food before your food? Yeah. Like, stuff like that where they're, they're missing each other without making Brianna Trailer Parker stupid. Because they make her stupid in this. Yeah. Uh, Because I think if she knows the film Carrie, she knows the word restaurant. I'm almost positive there's a scene in a restaurant in Carrie. Yeah. Like, like, it's it's super frustrating. Like, if she knows that much about... Like, if she went to Guatemala... Chances are, like, they ate in a restaurant-type setting in Guatemala, even if it was more of, like, a cafeteria. Even if she said, like... You know, I, I liked, because when we watched this, you said, like, I'll just have a soda. If you buy a soda, they'll just keep bringing you chips. Yeah. Of, like, the life hacks that... Make her crafty. Yeah, because we've already seen that she's, like, makes her own clothing and customizes her own clothing. Mm-hmm. And, like, the little tips and tricks people who are not socioeconomically well-off develop. Yeah. Like, the- like oh, because... You know, I grew up, like, pretty middle class, but I knew, like, oh, you go to the thrift store in the nice neighborhood because the, the clothes are priced the same, but they're nicer clothes. Yeah. Like, like the, being less well off, because, like, we, were, we both grew up kind of middle class. Yeah. And but we lo- both grew up in, like... Nicer middle class. Uh, no, I was going to say we both grew up not... Always middle yes. class. We both had times where, like, there wasn't a lot of money growing up. Yeah, w- there there were times where we had to drop down in 
status and availability of goods. Mm -hmm. And then we became crafty in the things that we need that are important. Yeah. Uh, And that's what Trailer Parker would do as a person instead of just being unaware of anything that happened socioeconomically ahead of her. (laughs) Ugh, so bad. So poorly written. And like, especially something like a restaurant. If you were going to do that bit, it needed to be like a super nice restaurant. Because like, you could maybe do this with Brianna in, like, a place that had 80 forks. Yes! Of, like, why are there so many forks? Mm-hmm. But, like, this place is kind of depicted as being a dive. Yes. And on top of that, she's always the punchline. It's never the other way where, like, she where Heather Chandler's too fancy. Mm-hmm. And they can, like, make jokes about her being out of touch because she's rich. Yeah. Uh, it's so annoying. Uh, small thing before we move on. I'm not sure if you caught this. There's a, she's wearing like a, Heather Chandler's wearing like a belly shirt. Yeah. Could you tell that her muffin top was fake? I actually said that, I don't think it's fake. I think they intentionally tailored the clothing to be as unflattering as possible. Mm, I, I, I thought it was fake because it looked unnatural skin color wise. I mean... Maybe it was not the best lit, but... It's probably both a lighting and, like, that might not be an area that the actress pans. Yeah, that's true. Um, But my thought is, I have high-waisted swimsuits, and if you don't wear them just right, you can make yourself a muffin top, even where no muffin top was previously found. So, I, I kind of think the clothing is kind of intentionally undermining Chandler. Because this is a show that has endless resources to make Chandler look good. Yes. I think whenever Chandler is dressed unflatteringly, it's because the show wants to dress her that way. Yes. Um, It's not because it happens to be... Like, the clothing is not accidental in this show. Right, right. Very. Everything else in the show is done with care. Lighting, set, costumes. Yeah, uh, because all of my problems are with the writers in this show. Uh, the title sequence, the music, the lighting, the framing, the costumes are all pretty great. The costume color theory starts to slip halfway through the season, mm-hmm. but we'll get into that. Uh, I'm going to say... Oh, also, episode seven and episode eight did not air domestically. They were released on the app. So the one we just watched and the one we're about to talk about yes. uh, didn't air because they could not find five days in a row where there was not a mass shooting in America. Yes. I think for episode eight, we will forgo the timer. Because I know you have a lot of research and stuff like that. And there's a lot of issues here. Yeah. So I'm actually going to do... I'm going to do the split here where I'm going to go through the entire storyline with the girls. And then I'm going to do JD's storyline. That makes sense. Um, but we open on neither of those groups. We open on... Uh, the state is requiring all teachers to have a loaded firearm in their desk drawers because of the... Uh, figure this guy out. There is a suicide epidemic, so they you need to arm the teachers the way the narrative usually goes to arming the teachers after a violence incident. Mm-hmm. But, like, these are all self-inflicted, like, in the narrative, because we also know they're mostly JD-inflicted. They are all off school grounds, all out of school hours. Yeah. Like... I guess McNamara's was arguably at a school event. Yeah, as was uh, Trailer Parker's. Yes, but like, so yeah, Parker's actually was on school grounds. But guns wouldn't have solved any of that? No. Like at all? Not at all. So this is very much, oh, we needed to cram this plotline in. 
we only have 10 episodes. We're on episode eight. So we're, we're doing this now. So then we get all of the teachers uh, doing gun training. And there's a great moment where like Fleming, who's the like airy fairy guidance counselor, is a crack shot. Yeah. Like we just watch her like wreck everybody. The drama teacher isn't accidentally misfires and kills the woman from the board of ed. Getting the death quota out of the way. Yes, I have I have a note that says earlier earliest death yet. Yeah, because it's during the cold open. Yeah. So and we also find out that the prom theme is still standing. It's yes. not back to basics anymore. And it's black and white with silhouettes of a man in a football helmet who's clearly Ram. Yes. And a girl with a bob haircut who's clearly Heather McNamara. Yes. So you know, not gross at all. So we find out that we're the school is having their active shooter drill today. And the mechanics of the active shooter drill are that you are locked into whatever classroom you happen to be in. Uh, until you're not, we'll get into that. Yeah. And if you are killed by the active shooter, who is the drama teacher kitted out to look like the Terminator, yeah. which is funny. Yeah. Uh, armed with, he has a big fake gun, but him shooting people is him hitting you with Kansas Silly String. Yes. But if you get killed, you go to heaven, which is the gym. Yes. Which has mocktails and cotton candy. Yes. And it's essentially like a school dance. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to get through like the mechanics of the episode before we get in. We're going to start with Chandler, Duke, and Veronica are all locked in to the makeup room by the theater together because they were in there like having a spat. Fleming comes by and locks them in. Uh, the entire school shuts down and is starting and is lit in red and blue because this show, the lighting is good. But it isn't subtle. It ain't subtle, no. And we also see JD bathed in blue light a lot in this episode. Yes. Which we're gonna, I really want to talk about the color theory at the end, so we're going to skip it. Gotcha. So Duke and Chandler gang up on Veronica, and Duke goes, I remember something from last night. And Veronica's like, ah. And Duke goes, you brought JD to a girl's night. And Veronica's like, is, is that really what you're upset about? That's all you remember. Uh, which also, Veronica is so stupid because all she has to do is go, Duke, you are wasted. I also had a couple drinks and couldn't get us home. I called JD. Yeah. Like the, the ability, the inability of our amoral characters to come up with little white lies is frustrating in the last half of this show. Yes. So Duke and Chandler bond and make up over roasting Veronica. Yes. Like making fun of her for... Her uh, relationship with JD. Duke has a great line of like, She's the reason we keep failing the Bechdel test. Which is a great, like, super tropey. Yeah. Uh, it's, and I mean this as a compliment as much as it doesn't sound like one. It's Riverdale-y. Yes. In a good way. And so they kind of have this, like, this little, like, tete-a-tete. And... We see Chandler's eyes fall on Veronica's backpack and her diary, which, by the way, she confessed to murder in three episodes ago. Yeah. Uh, her diary is just kind of hanging out there. And then uh, Chandler and Duke tie Veronica to a chair and read her diary. With what? Uh, red ribbon. <laughs> uh, it looks like rickrack. Like, it looks like something you could rip up easily. It's just so dumb. It's so dumb. And it's clearly meant to, like... Look like Red Scrunchie. Which, by the way, whatever happened to the Red Scrunchie that JD gave Veronica? I don't know. You don't, don't either. Know. Yeah, it, it's it's a weird use of it in this episode, and then they just forget about it. 
And uh, Duke says what I had said out loud 10 minutes prior of, you're carrying your murder diary around? Yes, and actually carrying, not the Stephen King. So Chandler is rightfully kind of affronted of like, her one of her best friends murdered her childhood best friend. Yes. Duke is impressed. Duke is like, Veronica, you literally got away with murder. Like, we talked about Veronica not having anything, quote, quote, interesting about her that makes her part of the Heathers. Mm-hmm. And, like, to Duke, Duke, Veronica just punched your card. Like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. You're a murderer. A plus, buddy. And then uh, Duke calls Chandler out for her role. Or, uh, yeah, Duke and Veronica call Chandler out for their her role in Ver- Heather Mack's suicide. Like... Because Veronica kind of goes on this JD-esque rant about, like, we're all killing people every day. And Duke is like, yeah, well, Chandler kind of helped kill McNamara. Mm-hmm. Because Duke was also there when Chandler throws McNamara out of the group for, for good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they call JD a clove cigarette, which is a great line. And Duke and Chandler kind of roast Veronica for not having a prom. Like, they roast each other for not having prom dates. Because Chandler doesn't have anyone to go to prom with. And Veronica's like, you're just jealous of me. Duke and Chandler agree not to rat Veronica out. And Chandler fondly says, you're a monster. But you're my monster. Which has nothing to do with any of Chandler's characterization for the rest of the show. No, it's very confusing. And uh, we're going to go back to the end of the episode uh, after I get through JD's plot. Okay. Meanwhile... Uh, JD is in like science class when all the lockdown stuff happens and he is like next to the rest of his bored ass classmates because this is just for Tuesday. This is Tuesday to them. They're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Active shooter drill. Yeah. We're doing another one. A couple students are actively hoping to get shot because then they can go to the cafeteria and eat cotton candy and drink mocktails. And the drama teacher bursts into the room Silly strings three kids and then goes, the rest of you are survivors. Well, first he asks, who here's a Christian? Oh, yeah, they do that. And then one kid goes, if I say yes, will you shoot me? And he's like, yeah, because I'm an atheist or whatever. And to a couple kids raise their hands so that he silly strings them and they can leave. So this is... Columbine. Directly referencing Columbine. It's also with this weird message of like, when faced with danger... Do not show faith in God? Which is like the most confusing thing to come out of nowhere. Other than like, I know they're referencing Columbine. Yeah. But what a weird thing to do is like, do you believe in God? Well, you will be punished for that. What? Well, and the kids are aware of gaming the system. Because they, none of them raise their hands because they identify as Christian. They raise their hands because they want to be done with this. Right. But when the teacher comes in there and says that, what is the lesson that is meant to be taught in doing that? The lesson is, if you're ever in an active shooter event and someone asks that question, denounce your religion to stay alive. Yeah. I mean... Holy shit. (laughs) Yeah. It... I don't even have time to unpack that. Yeah, okay, I'm done. So, they're all in the byroom, and then Coxcox, who is Keith Dudemeister, comes in, and he takes them to another location? He takes them to the boiler room, which has a faculty access code that apparently never changes, because JD watches 
the coach put in the code and then he knows it for the rest of time. Mm-hmm. So they then kind of like coach Cox gives a how to manual on like how to shoot up the school, where all the places that can hide are. Um, and he shows them like a video under the, they're in the boiler room and he has like a projector set up and he's like, come here nerd. And he brings up Dylan who we now know is Dylan because they call him out by name. Yeah, who I don't remember seeing in a single episode until now. He's uh, He's been in every episode, but he's one of the like featured background students. Okay. Uh, about, of which there's about 10 in this show. And he puts sunglasses on Dylan, hands him a big fake gun, and then shows like a video behind Dylan of like, cool guy walking away from explosions, hot women. And it, it works for Shelby Dunstock. Who's like, yes. ooh. Is it just me or something that's like really hot? Cox explains the prototypical uh, school shooter. And the camera is on JD. Yeah. As Cox essentially describes JD. But then they use a different student. Mm-hmm. Um, and and also one of the stoner chick, like... Yeah, go ahead. She repeatedly, throughout this episode, is the voice of reason. She's like, do you think in a society that like values fame above all else that like treating these students like misunderstood masterminds provides a blueprint for lost kids to feel like important by you showing us all of this isn't this just a how-to guide for how to shoot up the school and they just always brush her aside Mm -hmm. it's this very lazy modern writing Mm -hmm. conceit of we called out our mistake yeah so therefore, you cannot call out our mistake. If, if I can put on my black round sunglasses and oversized military coat for a second, isn't pointing this out in a TV show and then showing it to people still doing that exact things to the people who are watching it? <laughs> so they go to the thought... The next... They bring... Again, they bring this group of 20 kids. And we don't see another group of kids moving around, by the way. We only see this group right. of, like, JD and the featured extras, essentially. And they get stuck in the thoughts and prayers room. Yes. Which is, like, the morning space or whatever. And he films everyone complaining about the active shooter drill. Talking about how they want to go to heaven. Right. Because heaven has mocktails and cotton candy. And... Brianna Parker going like all the cool kids in heaven are in heaven and we're stuck here. Uh, the stoner girl goes like, I want to die like every day, but like especially today. And so like, this is clearly going to play into the suicide pact that is part of every version of Heather's. Right. So we get to the end of the episode. V Veronica has agreed to go. I call her V in my notes. Cause I'm not typing out Veronica all the time. She agrees to go to the problem with the Heather's instead of JD And they do like a slow walk down the hallway. But this time Veronica is with the Heathers. Yes. She's not off to the side. She's not not with them. She's not late. She is one of the Heathers now. And we see like Kurt, Brianna, and Shelby Dunstock all staring at her. And the Heathers approach guidance counselor Fleming. And they're like, we're going to plan the prom. And they come up with ideas and they all like, congratulate each other on the ideas. They're like, that's a great idea, Veronica. That's a great idea, Heather Duke. That's a great idea, Heather Chandler. And then they're like, Fleming, why aren't you writing this down? JD kind of like tries to get Veronica in and Veronica's like, oh, I'm dress shopping tonight. Uh, I'm going to prom with the Heathers. 
And he goes, I have plans that night too. Yeah, because I think we forgot to mention the beginning of this episode is Veronica trying to get JD to go to prom with her. Mm -hmm. And JD saying no. So that whole plot line of Veronica training JD to be the perfect boyfriend didn't matter, didn't work, or was forgotten. Yeah, one of those things. But JD refuses to go to prom with he- with uh, Veronica, and they just kind of like part ways, and they're currently like not really a thing. Right. So uh, that episode also did not air in the U.S. It was available on like the Paramount app. Yeah. Do you guys all have the Paramount app on your phones? I think you could watch it on like their website too. But this didn't air because there was a shooting that day. That day? Yeah. Like, this is so horrible. And, like, I understand the commentary of, like, the school shooting being, like, normalized. Mm -hmm. And South Park did it better. Yeah. Simple as that. South Park had an entire season where every episode started with a school shooting, and then they just didn't address it. Which is the commentary you want to make. This... The commentary is kids don't care about the school shooting drill, despite the fact that there's going to be a huge tragedy in a moment. And also, school shooting drills are not helpful because they teach you how to be a school shooter. But that's also what this episode does for anyone who's watching. Glee and Riverdale both handled this concept better. Riverdale, season one Riverdale is legitimately really good. And in season one, Jughead is accused of Jason Blossom's murder. Because Jughead fits all of the criteria they list JD is having. Right. And uh, Glee does an episode that hinges on a possible school shooter okay. situation where the characters are all in lockdown. But it focuses on their fear and their, like... Like, the show is very much sending the message of, like, this is not good that, like, these kids live like this. Right. Meanwhile, like, they have... Normal. They also don't do any of this correctly. Like, they don't have the kids, like, turn off the lights, lock the door, and hide. Right. Uh, so they're not even doing, like, the protocol the way the Gen Z students would recognize it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if I may, I have a, a school shooting drill story. Okay. Uh, when I was a student teacher, uh, I was... Basically, when you're student teaching, you're not a teacher yet, you're still in college. But... They give you a class, and you and the actual teacher kind of partner up and teach the class. Okay. So there was, like, buzz that there was going to be a school shooting drill uh, sometime coming up. And I was like, that's interesting. Then I was told that there was a day coming up where every single classroom will have a substitute. Because everyone who was a contract teacher had to go grade the HISPAs, the the high school aptitude tests. Okay. They they had to grade all the essays. So uh, my teacher that I was working with was like, instead of getting a substitute, you're just going to do it because you're the student teacher. I was like, no problem. Yeah. Uh, Now, uh, I had a lot of uh, special ed kids. So I always had a special ed teacher with me as well. But she was going as well to grade these. So I had a substitute with me. Uh... With my kids. Okay. So I'm with the kids. And over the loudspeaker, it says, uh, Mr. McLaughlin has entered the building, which the kids all knew meant shooter. Mm -hmm. So they all got up 
and like hid in the corner of a room. And then I pulled the shades mm-hmm. and I went up to the substitute and I said, hey, you lock the door. And she said, how? And I was like, do you don't have the key? She was like, no, do you have a key? And I said, no. Yeah. So I was like, okay, you sit with the kids. She goes and sits with the kids. I sit on my back holding the door shut with my feet against the wall, just like trying to hold it closed Mm -hmm. in the event that a school shooter would come, feel the doorway and feel like they couldn't open it and would move on. As I'm laying there, it slowly dawns on me that the school knew that there'd be no teachers in the classroom. Okay. So they shouldn't do a school shooting drill today because the people that they're testing are the teachers. Yeah. So there's a good chance that this is a real event that's happening. And I'm laying there like at the door that the shooter would come to with this thought in my brain. When the substitute says to the kids, you know, this is probably real. Oh, my God. Because they wouldn't do this without the teachers in the classroom. Because they're the ones who know what they're doing. Oh, my God. And I go, stop. (laughs) I get this woman who was like in her 50s. Yeah. And I go, "Uh, you're going to hold the door. I'm going to talk to my kids. You have lost door privileges. Yeah. So, no, she's gained door privileges. She, she's holding the door shut. Uh, I grabbed my kids and I was like, listen, guys, this is a drill. We're all just going to sit here. Everything's going to be fine. Do not panic on me. Like, yeah. we have a lot to get through today in terms of my lesson. So I need you guys to be cool. So that when this is over, we can focus. Because it's really important we go through all this stuff. As I'm saying this, I watch the substitute get dragged into the hallway. Because the door's being opened. Oh my god. So I watch her slide out. I stand up and I'm like, what the fuck am I going to (laughs) do? And I hear, what are you doing? And I hear her say, I'm trying to hold the door shut. We don't have the key. And then I hear good enough and then she comes back in and just closes the door it was the principal it was a drill Mm -hmm. so i get all my kids back it's like it's over now everything's fine sit down uh and as a student teacher lunch came and i stormed the principal office and went what were you doing having a drill today and he was like what i was like you knew there was no teachers in the classrooms why would you do this and he was like, it was not my call. And I was like, whose was it then? You're the principal. Yeah. And it was, he was like, there's nothing I could do. It was very nice of him not to yell back at me because I was screaming at him and who the hell am I? But it really shows that nobody knows what they're doing. <laughs> and right. the kids immediately normalized it. The kids were fine with the idea of it being real. Like that event is what got me out of the classroom. Yeah. And I was just like, this is all bullshit and I don't want to be a part of it. Okay. <sighs> it's good to get that story off my chest. All right. Let, let's move on. Okay. <laughs> so episode nine is the last episode to air in America. We're going to, I'm going to talk a little bit about this episode. And then as a tag, I'm going to talk about the American edit. Uh, Cause I looked up what changes between the two episodes. Uh, 
episode 10 was never aired in America. It was not released. We had it because Matthew sent it to us. Thank you. Um, but episode 9 was the finale in America. We start with a split screen of uh, Kurt buying... Kurt... Remember Kurt? Kurt was a person like six episodes ago. Uh, Kurt is buying things for the prom. He's getting a tux, flowers, balloons. And JD is buying things that are clearly not so much for prom. Uh, like he's buying like equipment for whatever his big prom plans are going to be. And the split screen ends with JD coming out of the boiler room and Kurt coming out of the cafeteria. Kurt has set up an elaborate promposal for Heather Duke. Uh, and JD has been doing whatever JD is doing. And smash cut to Kurt's dead body and a fake suicide note. Uh, in, this, in the middle of like this heart made out of rose petals pledging his love to Heather Duke. Uh, this scene, JD just jumps right to murder, huh? Because JD could have just like said, oh yeah, I was planning something, a proposal for Veronica Sawyer. Nope, right to murder. And uh, I have, so, you know, that's something. And there's discussion about them being prom, about who's going to be prom queen. And Veronica is like the front runner. And... We then go to Kurt's funeral and Chandler's like almost compassionate toward Heather Duke at this point. And we, they ruin the, I love my dead gay son line again by throwing the word non-threatening in. I loved my dead non-threatening gay son. Which kind of ties into what I said in the last episode of white cisgendered male homosexuals have been normalized enough in Western culture that like he's none of the other since he's still a white dude and a white you know cisgendered dude he's still good enough right and so I love my non-threatening dead gay son weird uh, we had to ruin this line a second time Kurt's parents are super wealthy they have a French ch- chateau and they were going to invite Duke to summer with them and now Duke is even more upset because she is seeing like she could have dated or married into a lot of money. So Veronica and Chandler are talking and Veronica's like, I think JD did this. And Chandler's like, no, even though like Veronica's saying, I think my boyfriend who tried to kill you killed Kurt. And Chandler's like, it's fine. And then Captain Exposition's like, Veronica, you're the front runner for prom queen. And then smash cut to Chandler trying to cancel the prom because it's a tool of the patriarchy. Uh, meanwhile, JD asks Veronica to meet in the boiler room. Side note. I would not meet my psycho killer boyfriend in the boiler room of the school when we're having a fight. Uh, she goes down there and he's set up a promposal with blue and white balloons. And she goes, do I pick the friends I hate or the boyfriend I hate? Because Veronica can't like anything because that would give her personality. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's like, well, I can't, I don't have to make a decision. Prom's canceled. And JD is very upset. Then we get a scene that kind of, sort of, almost works. Uh, Shelby Dunstock is petitioning for dress code changes because she wants to wear shorter skirts. We go around and around of, is it exploiting young women to allow them to wear short skirts? Should we be teaching men not to be distracted? Blah, blah, blah. In the end, they have a compromise where Shelby's skirts are allowed to be two inches shorter than they were originally going to be. And everyone's happy with it. Shelby immediately bouncily hikes up her little skirt and she has a hail Satan tattoo 
that matches the iconography that we've seen all over the school. You guys might think, oh, there's another plot in hand. No, that makes sense. Um, Chandler walks in and goes, prom is canceled. And the faculty go, all in favor? Yup, and prom is canceled. Chandler and JD confront one another. Chandler calls out JD in the same way they call out Veronica in the previous episode of like, I know what's going on. And JD freezes like a deer in the headlights. And she goes, you're trying to win back Veronica. Unlike Veronica, JD does pivot much faster and goes like, please don't tell her. Like, kind of tries to act like he's indebted to Chandler on this one. And there's a great dressing down Chandler does of like, Veronica's going to move on and go to college. You're a plus one. You're a placeholder. You're a who's that in photos. And then JD goes, great slash fic, Heather. Because he doesn't know what that means and said slash fic because somebody in the writer's room heard that term once and doesn't know what fan fiction is versus slash fiction. Mm-hmm. Next, we get the, to a receiving line for Heather Duke, who is playing the grieving widow for Kurt. And something we haven't seen anyone else do in the entire series of like this big outpouring of publicly of grieving. Right. JD steals a rose from Captain Exposition and offers Duke fake condolences. And she goes, what do you want, knife liquor? Which the insults to JD are just great. JD says, Prom queen. You'd be a shoe in now. And Heather Duke has prom queen. I mean, that would mean something. So Duke is thoroughly seduced by this. And I also get the impression that like Kurt genuinely, unlike the Heathers who don't have any other friends except for them, Kurt was popular. Mm-hmm. Everyone genuinely really liked Kurt. Uh, so now Duke is openly lobbying for prom queen. Veronica kind of like looks at JD. He plays innocent. And Veronica, Chandler like puts prom back on. And Veronica's like, I'm going to go to the prom with the Heathers. Screw you. Anywho, Veronica comes home and her family is having a nice dinner with JD. Mm -hmm. And JD is just the charming, perfect high school boyfriend. He's going to major in elementary education. Nelson Mandela says education is the best weapon a child has. And I'm going to arm as many kids Mm -hmm. as we can. And uh, they run out of pate because Veronica, despite being established as a vegetarian in one throwaway line, now likes pate because any random effing throwaway line from the movie becomes God in this freaking show. So JD's like, I'm going to go get some. And they go to the snappy snack shack and JD runs into Duke and JD uses the word myriad, which we found out earlier in the episode, Kurt used in a suicide note. Right. And Duke's like, Kurt's not smart enough to know that word. Mm -hmm. And Duke visibly puts the pieces together. And then my next note is, is Duke smart enough not to tip her hand right now? No. No. Uh, There's a great moment where Duke tries to get in the car with Jade. And Jade's like, where's my slushie and my cigarettes? And Duke goes like, someone in there is going to try to kill me. Let me in the car. And she goes, wait, wait, wait. If I don't let you in the car, you're going to die? And Duke is like, yes, have all the domestic beer and cigarettes rotted your brain? Jade throws the car in reverse, flipping Duke off and leaves. Duke calls 911. And then we get this like family guy cutaway that Duke has been prank calling 911 the entire series in a bit that would have been better incorporated in through the series. Yeah, instead of stuck in now. 
Hello, 911. I'd like to report a crime on top of Veronica's head. 911, I'd like to report an unsolved accident from 17 years ago. Uh, it, making it an, a character trait that then pays off instead of retroactively being like, oh, we should have done these. Yeah, it's annoying. Duke calls an Uber and uh, the Uber driver is this like super hopped up on Red Bull, ridiculous, like, let's go on a car chase. So the Uber driver, Duke, and JD go on a car chase. Duke throws blue soda at JD's car, which I find interesting. Because if we go with the color theory, Duke tries to blind JD with Veronica's color. Um, right. Can, can we talk about the line he says? When yes. He, while he throws it? Because he throws it and says, I was the one who was supposed to destroy Kurt, you piece of shit. Why would Heather Duke destroy Kurt? Because the series cannot figure out that Duke should be sincere sometimes. Yeah, it like, you change that line to, I should be in France. Yeah. It's so annoying. Like, this they, could, show. they could have kept Duke still bitchy and mean by yelling, like, I should be in France, asshole. Mm-hmm. But no, they instead make it like, she can't even be yeah. nice to Kurt when he's dead. Yeah. And... They almost make it to the police station, but JD cuts them off at the pass. So they go through the scenic route, which kind of reminds me of Scary Movie, where they have safety and danger, and then they turn yeah. off into danger. They they were close enough to the police station that they could get out and start screaming, yeah. and the police would protect them. The Uber driver gets run off the road, and they crash into a cornfield. And he's... <laughs> he... They almost get away, and Heather Duke says, since you were such a great driver... I will allow you to tell me one personal thing about your life. And the driver turns around and says, uh, I'm writing a book about centaurs. And while he's not looking, he crashes into a tractor. Yes. Uh, and he dies. R.I.P. fun character. Yeah. <laughs> you will be missed. And in a moment that I really genuinely did find funny, Duke gives the Uber driver three stars. Yeah, not one. Not five, but three. That's so normal, though, of like... Zoomers and millennials never want to give service people, like, low ratings. Yeah. So the idea that, like, the Uber driver gets into a car accident and Duke is, like, in danger. Three stars. Three stars. Like, I thought that was very funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, JD comes out and Duke runs full speed into razor wire. And it hits her in the throat. Yes. And this is then shot very similarly and very upsettingly to Heather M's fate. Right. Of kind of like bleeding out, distantly stumbling down the road. Yeah. And Duke manages to find a flower stand, collapses among all of these yellow flowers. Yeah. And JD finds her. Duke spits out one more insult. She says like, Tell your mom to spit out the devil's chest before you tongue kiss her in hell. Spits in JD's face, which is actually like a really good moment of like, she kind of like gets to tell JD off. Because mm-hmm. JD goes, I couldn't have killed you better myself. Yeah, you final destination to yourself. Duke laughs and then kind of starts to cry and then dies. Performance is good here. Yeah. Um, JD comes back to Veronica's house and goes like, I had to go to five stores, but I got pate. Because he's still playing the obsequious boyfriend yes. to Veronica's parents, who are no longer afraid of her because the croquet killer has been ki- caught. 
Yes. So I get the impression they didn't know for sure Veronica killed Lucy, but they really thought she did. Yeah, they don't develop these characters at all. Um, And then when someone else confesses to the murder, they are suddenly much more willing to push back against Veronica and annoy Veronica. Mm -hmm. Veronica instantly catches that some of Duke's blood is on JD's face. Yeah. Like, he wiped some of it off, but he didn't get all of it. And she goes, who was it this time, JD? And he doesn't respond. And we see Veronica get a phone call. And I'm presuming, we never find out, but you can presume it's Heather Chandler. I presumed it was Captain Exposition. Probably. (laughs) Um, I presumed it was Heather Chandler, but indisputably, whoever's on the phone tells her that Heather Duke is dead. And Veronica turns on him and she's terrified and furious because the one thing we have established is that Veronica and Duke did genuinely care for one another. Yeah. And so she is like, he says, I didn't have a choice. And Veronica goes, did you have a choice with Kurt? And JD again doesn't answer. So like, JD doesn't ever really lie to Veronica again. He just doesn't answer. Yeah. So then we get to Heather Duke's funeral and... We get kind of almost a nice moment. We get this very, very sad, very realistic moment of Jade has Heather Duke buried as male. Yes. Has her buried in like a boring men's suit. No flair. Yeah, like this just like beige. This beige suit. It's a tie. and, mm. And like the idea that it's beige to me is like doubly like... Because Duke has made a comment that she looks great in black in another sequence. So, like, you couldn't even put her in black, which would have been more appropriate for funeral. Like, putting her in beige. And Veronica pulls something out of her pocket, and it's green eyeshadow. And she quickly, with her fingers, applies green eyeshadow to Heather Duke. Cradles her head gently and goes, your best angle. Mm -hmm. So this and he- and Veronica is entirely alone with Heather Duke's body when this happens. Yeah, because this is a moment where it's not performative. Mm-hmm. No one is there to see this. So Duke is genuinely mourning, or Duke is genuinely being mourned. Yes, by Veronica. And Veronica and Chandler leave the funeral holding hands. Uh, Captain Exposition says, "Like you're a shoe in for prom queen now, Chandler. So prom's back on." And then JD comes to Veronica with blue flowers and he like apologizes and goes like, tell me what you want. Veronica says, I want cool kids like you out of my life. She is wearing a blue jumpsuit and she storms off alone. Chandler in red, JD in black. And they storm off in like a perfect equilateral triangle from one another. Mm -hmm. And then this is how episode nine ends in every country but America. In America, we then get uh, a triple split screen, or we kind of go back and forth between Veronica getting ready by herself. Chandler has a glam squad doing her hair and makeup, despite the fact she looks almost essentially not different from every other time we see her. Uh, And Big Bud takes a picture of JD and he hallucinates that it's his mother taking pictures. Right. And says like, I gave you a gift the night I died. Uh, I give you a gift that night. Tonight's the night you unwrap it. So connecting JD's psycho issue, like psychological issues to his mother's suicide. Yeah. 
And we see, like, them uh, in what is clearly the same limo. Yeah, set-wise. They just have one limo that they light differently. Chandler in red, Veronica in blue, JD in purple. And then we see the cafeteria and we see how JD has rigged up the prom to explode. And in America, that is how the series ends. Yes. Uh, My guess is, and this is with no evidence, they knew in America they could not air what happens in episode 10. Mm -hmm. But they already paid Shannon Doherty. So we're going to use that scene. I feel like they they ended on a cliffhanger. I think they genuinely thought they were going to be able to air all 10 episodes. I mean, the fact that they include part of episode 10 at the end of episode 9 makes me think they knew that they were going to air episode 10. Well, by the time uh, 10 aired in America, they or by the time the series aired in America, they knew they weren't going to be able to right. do 10. But when they shot it, they thought they were going to air 10. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. My point is, like, them walking out in different directions uh, is a better cliffhanger yeah. than seeing them all go to prom. I think they were just like, we have another scene with Shannon Doherty in the can. We can't not use it. Yeah. We've already paid her. She was expensive. Uh, the, the main thing I want to say about this episode is... What if this was the only episode you ever saw? Because in this episode, Veronica is 100% a victim and innocent. Yeah. And, and like everything else that has happened, if you didn't know, it is this show is a story of a girl being terrorized by her abusive boyfriend. Yeah. Like this is also a, a grievous case of barrier gaze. Right. Like, we lose both major LGBT characters in the same episode. And you almost feel like they didn't know what to do with Duke for the finale. Yeah. So they wanted to give Duke more of a death, so they kill her off in the episode before the finale. Yes. Um, we are down to the pretty white kids with problems. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, our, all of our remaining leads are the pretty white heterosexual people. Yes. I mean, like, all of our remaining leads, yes. But is there anyone left in the school? <laughs> Maybe the drama teacher? The drama teacher, yeah, the drama teacher's still <laughs> around. But like, And we still have the background students of color. Oh, yeah, we, we do have the one African-American nerd. The, all of the nerds are people of color. Oh, yeah, like you're that right, little, you're right, right. That little, like, nerd clique. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, you're right. But we're calling them the nerd click. Because we don't know their names. Because they're, na- like, <laughs> this is one of the things of episode seven, eight, and nine, when they start to, like, give Shelby Dunstock a character and Dylan. You can tell they clearly forgot that we needed to care about other students. Yeah. For the plot of what happens at prom to work. Uh, Yeah, I... I really liked Duke's character, and by episode nine, Duke was like our last chance at a hero. Yes. And when we lose her, I'm like, oh, I guess we're not going to have any kind of, like, protagonist. Um, so episode ten. Yes. The, mu- the-, the muzzle is off. We're, we're done with the cold open. Yeah. Um, and I want to point out that in the title sequence... There is a portrait of Marie Antoinette 
that when the black light goes on, it says revolt. Yes. We're going to get back to this at the very end of this episode. Yeah, just wanted to bring that up. But usually in these title sequences, the new clip, because it's always like the croquet mallet, the bathroom. Yeah. And the desk. It's usually two of those three and then one that changes. Yeah. And like it was the mental institution, the episode after JD is the psych hold. Mm -hmm. Or uh, Heather Chandler's portrait, the episode after she comes back. This one, I believe it's the balloons. Yeah. When they blacklight, it just says prom. It says prom and there's like poison symbols on them. Yeah. Because they're full of uh, flammable gas. Yeah. So uh, we then see like a montage of the supporting characters of all of these like background students, some of whom we kind of know is like, oh, that's the girl with the Hail Satan tattoo. She has three dates. Yes. Uh, Trailer Parker comes and she's smiling. Um, So we kind of have all of these like happy kids. And then we have the diary voiceover again, which we haven't had in like two episodes. Yeah. Out of nowhere. Um, And it's just Veronica going on blah, blah. Like, why is high school so important? Blah, blah, blah. I no longer listen to these because uh, they're pretentious and they're long. Yes. Veronica is in a dress that is red and snakeskin? Yeah, it is a very odd dress. So Veronica's in red in the last episode. And, okay, she doesn't have any blue on her at all. Yeah, she she's in inter- in. Turned entirely to whatever this red character, which is not Heather Chandler. It means murderer, maybe? And so she's alone. She does the photo booth by herself. And only the first of the four pictures actually develops because she's so blank, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, I guess that's what that meant. I, I kind of took it as like it needed more time. Like you shake it like a Polaroid. But I don't know. I just thought this was dumb. Yeah, Veronica and Chandler are by themselves at prom. Chandler's sitting in, like, her VIP section that she decided they needed to have. So, Veronica and Chandler are supposed to be the two most popular girls in the school. And they get ready to go to prom, and they go to prom alone. Right. There have to be, like, social climbers, hangers-on, who they could have had to fill out pictures and stuff. Mm -hmm. Because to me, I would, like, I would think it looks worse for you to be alone at prom. Yeah. Like, it's one thing to go with a group of your friends because you don't have a date, mm-hmm. but to be by yourself at prom. Well, I, I think Heather Chandler's idea mm-hmm. is, like, she's in a VIP lounge, so she's in an area that everyone else wishes she was in, they were in because mm-hmm. it's an important area. But, like, the only person that's on a date really... In this whole prom appears to be uh, Domstruck. And she's with three people. I'm good for her. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and she takes a prom picture with all three of them, and it is pretty funny. Yeah. Um, Good for her. Uh, Suck it, Katie from Letterkenny. Yeah. She got three boys. Yeah, like, no hate on Shelby Dunn's doc here. Um, And then we also see they have, like, a memory table with portraits of the dead students. Mm -hmm. And Veronica, like, touches Duke's picture. Which is very weird that we have to take a moment to humanize Veronica. Yes, what are we doing? (laughs) Then we get this, like, freaking terrible, unnecessary shot of Parker 
trying to get her motorized scooter up onto the dance floor and having trouble. Yeah, we hadn't made fun of her for being poor or disabled in a while. So we wanted to make sure everyone knows that she's still unhappy and suffering. And we get, like, some moments with the background characters that are not even important enough to, like, address here. Yeah. And, but Veronica sees JD punch into the boiler room. And then she follows him in before the door closes. And JD kind of, like, isn't surprised she's there. He's like, oh, glad you can make it, love. Like. Yeah. And there's 17 minutes until the bomb blows up. Yes, remember this. Because there's a bomb. And he explains how it works. And Veronica and JD have an argument in which she does not think he should blow up the school. And he presents his equally valid point that they should. Yeah. He goes on this insane monologue. JD is wasting a lot of the 17 minutes here in my notes. I have no idea what he even says because I just start like fucking tuning it out because it's so long. And Veronica's response is, you're an asshole, JD. He's going to murder everyone and he's an asshole? Um, You point out that they clearly redubbed parts of the speech. Yeah. There's parts that are focused on her. Yeah, I think they tried to make it longer. <laughs> uh, and the only thing that's worth noting is in the cinematography, Veronica is bathed in light and yeah. JD is in the darkness. Yes. Because color theory or whatever. Uh, he, and then she, after his long speech, her reaction is actually patronizing. She goes, you really believe that, don't you? And then he sends her the video that he took Mm-hmm. Of the thoughts and prayers room where they all say they want to die. He tries to kiss her. She backs up and goes, grow up, JD. So it's worse than calling him an asshole. Yeah, now she's immature. She's like yelling at him the way you yell at another first grader in the schoolyard. Uh, so she runs to go turn JD in. One more important quote mm-hmm. in this is uh, JD's argument is the, these kids all deserve to die because then it'll end violence. Or something. And Veronica goes, none of them deserve to die. They're kids. So was Ram, Veronica. Yeah. Where was this reaction then? Yeah. When watching a boy get hung made you horny. Yes, psycho. No consistency in this show. So she runs to turn JD in to the teacher's. Yeah. And Chandler waylays her. And Chandler just kind of goes on about how important she is. Yeah. And how, like, all of these students are going to remember me forever. You then did a poll on Facebook while we were watching this. Yes! I was bringing that up, actually. Uh, I asked on Facebook, uh, who remembers who their prom queen was? Because I honestly... Th- it's, it's insane to me. I honestly don't. Mm-hmm. I had a graduating class of 58. Like, how do I not know this? Uh, so I got 15 replies here. Mm-hmm. And I think out of all of this, the only people to remember are two. Yep. Two people, rem- three. Three people remember who their prom queen is. So in case you're wondering, no one gives a crap about prom queen. Yeah, I legitimately do not remember Anything, like any of the major stuff from my high school. I don't remember who our class president was. I don't remember who our prom queen, homecoming yeah. queen. The the only thing I remember about my prom is they 
they gave one of the teachers an award and we're all like, uh, I don't give a shit about my gym teacher winning an award. And two, uh, they thought I brought DDR to my school. Yeah. So everyone got super into DDR and then, uh, they wanted to bring DDR to prom. That would have been sick. And then everyone yelled at me. Because I'm the one that brought DDR to the school and I was making prom a childish event. <laughs> Yo! We did not end up having DDR at prom. Yo, we should have had DDR at our wedding. Yo, we screwed up. <laughs> Second wedding. Um, Alright, I'm starting a list. DDR machine. Ice cream. <laughs> this sounds great. Uh, so... Chandler does, like, another long speech. I'm like, how long can we possibly have left of this bomb timer? <laughs> yeah. Between JD's speech and Chandler's speech, yeah. I think, like, 11 minutes of real time go by. Yeah, and uh, Veronica's response is, come find me in 10 minutes and see if I'm worthless. Yeah, because she keeps calling her nothing. And, and Veronica goes, find me in 10 minutes and tell me if I'm nothing then, bitch. Um, so then she runs into JD and... Uh, she's like, you're right. You still suck, but you're right. Yeah, let's blow up the school. Let's get out of here and blow up the school. And JD's like, we still have 11 minutes. The fuck you do? It's been 15. JD asks Veronica to dance and they dance to, I think we're alone now. And I swear to God, it's just so that they had promo picks to market this episode of these two losers at prom. Yeah. I remember at this point, I was just so angry at this show because like, it doesn't make sense. It's offensive and I'm so pissed off. And then I was like, huh, I, li- I like this song. I think we're alone now. We go outside and we see uh, two of the girls who like have been gossiping with each other the entire time, like puff, puff passing. And they're like talking about the suicides and they're like, did Heather Chandler die? No, she's the one who came back. Cementing the Chandler is not that important. Yeah. They can't remember which one died. And then Betty Finn shows up and she is in like combat boots and her hair is like half up in a way that's very. I I called it a half Coolio. Yeah. Like it doesn't have what it doesn't have like a half shaved look, which would have made sense with her being in military school. Military school. school, Right. It's instead half in like a very elaborate uh, hairstyle that I'm not sure her hair type would be suitable to. Yeah. Yeah. Betty Finn takes the, uh, I think it's a joint from them, takes a puff and then stomps it. And the two girls have a great exchange of, was that Betty Finn? Was that necessary? And the answer to, to those questions is yes and no. Everybody crowds Betty Finn because she's now like militia hot. Yeah. And Chandler waylays her and Betty Finn goes, I have been thinking every moment in military school about what I'm going to do to that freak JD when I get out. And the other students are like, you could do better. Because they sexualized the attack on her because the the narrative became that like she went crazy because of him. Right. I'm curious about that interpretation because my interpretation was everyone assumed she wanted to bone JD. That's what I said. Oh, okay. I thought... Okay, never mind. But they sexualized her attack on him as being like, she went nuts because she wanted him. Okay, okay. We are on the same page. Yeah. Uh, Because that's what the narrative went became when JD got to control the narrative. Right. And 
So the other students are like, you could do better. And then Chandler's like, Buck up, Betty. With this new militia moment you're rocking, everyone at Westerberg is either going to want you for a friend or a fuck. And she offers Betty Finn entrance into the VIP lounge. And then it's like Betty Finn never even thought about JD. Yeah. She goes right into the VIP lounge because all she ever really wanted was to be popular. Yeah. So I think in the eyes of the writer, they gave Betty Finn a happy ending. Like she comes back. She's popular, which is what she wanted, which makes her forget all about the horrible sexual assaults you went through. Yeah. Ugh, no. And then, like, uh, JD and Veronica are, like, standing outside of the boiler room. And Captain Exposition, who just comes up and goes, like, JD, Veronica, did you hear? There was a school shooting. Somebody shot up another prom. They're saying it's the biggest school shooting of all time. And JD's like, oh, shit. And Veronica's like, oh, shit, what? And JD wants to disarm the bomb because it's not going to make the news enough. Yes. It, he he compares it to uh, when Farrah Fawcett died the same day as Michael Jackson. Yes. Which, kind of, I, I'm really upset that they brought up poor Farrah Fawcett in this garbage TV show. And Veronica and JD argue. And she's like, oh, you're a Heather. All you care about is image. All you care about is optics. And really, the main problem here is that JD brings up the optics of Duke being prom queen in the previous episode, but we've established what the mold of one of these high school terrorists is. The way for JD to still dominate the news cycle is to let Veronica take the credit. Yeah. So he pulls a gun on Veronica and says, I really thought you could handle me, but you were just another high school girl. Um, Veronica bolts. Yes. Dylan's sitting alone... And she runs and grabs the gun out of the teacher's desk. Because every desk has a gun now. And Dylan kind of goes out, gives Veronica a head start to leave and then runs after her to see what she's doing. Two minutes left in the timer. JD disarms his own bomb. And then Veronica shoots him and grazes his shoulder. I don't know how the hell she missed. I don't think she was intending to kill him. Well, she said, he said something like, no warning shot? And I was like, well, if it was missing, it would be a warning. I'd, I, I'd rather think Veronica's just bad. <laughs> yeah, I think she doesn't intend to murder him at this point. She's trying to make him stop disarming the bomb. Mm-hmm. So she's just trying to distract him. Uh, she says our whole relationship was a warning shot. Dylan watches this entire sequence yes. of JD and Veronica arguing... And then JD shoots Veronica in the stomach. Yes. She falls. And then JD like apologizes. And he was like, you were my equal. I'm so sorry. He apologizes the way like your boyfriend usually apologizes if he like steps on your foot. Yeah. I I have to do the the comedian thing here is because Veronica gets shot. So they include a joke here Mm -hmm. to kind of lighten the mood that a woman just got shot on television. And her joke is. I was going to return this dress, JD. You're, you're rich as fuck. Yeah, there's no reason. <laughs> what, what are you talking about? Yeah, like, she's rich. Why would she bother? Um, and she, like, reaches for the gun and successfully shoots him in the stomach. Sobbing, like, we had it all and you threw it away. And the, he falls beside her and they kind of lay in the boiler room dying. And they say, like, we had fun while it lasted. They, like, have one last kiss. And they kind of get, like, 
a lover's death. But before... They get a lover's death. Like, they die kissing each other. Yeah. She, well, she reconnects the bomb. And he says, our, his last words are, our love is God. And she says, our love was God. Yeah. And then he dies. She posts the video. And then we hear Veronica Sawyer is no longer nothing. As the clock ticks down. Mm-hmm. And Dylan... Runs and finds the teachers. Uh, because Captain Exposition runs up and goes like, did you hear Heather Chandler got thrown out of prom? She did a mid-prom costume change and now her skirt's too short. Yeah. And Dylan goes, get out of here. Run. There's a bomb. And uh, Dylan gets to the teachers, tries to interrupt and he goes, guys, there's a bomb and if we don't get it, we're all going to be dead as fuck. And the teachers are like, Language. They send him back into the prom, but Chandler gets thrown out. But they all follow Chandler out and scream at her. Yeah. So Dylan could have been doing anything while they follow her out and scream at her. Yeah, like pulling the fire alarm. Or maybe telling the DJ to make an announcement about leaving. So we get a shot of... uh, we, We get a shot of Chandler's face as the bomb goes off. And we just see Chandler staring in horror as the... Like, we don't see the explosion. We see Chan- it, like, reflect on Chandler's face as the lighting changes. And then we get a shot of J.D. and Veronica in the boiler room, both having died. And then we get this stupid effing scene with the teachers. Yeah. Where they almost learn something. Maybe we should have listened to the kids? When? Well, just now, with Dylan. The one screaming about the balloons or something? See, I feel... A- little bit better about this because this is cl- the teachers are basically saying do you think we could have done something to stop this and then they go ah, i guess we'll never know and we as the audience know that they could have so i at least took some sort of solace in oh okay the teachers are wrong because i was worried that the teachers were supposed to be the audience surrogate and that they were sitting there going like what's the deal with pronouns right guys and like right? everyone was supposed to agree with them yeah knowing at the end that they're like the teachers are idiots and wrong i was like okay at least at least that i have a little bit of sanity so it it sucks so bad and then uh chandler agrees to an interview cuz like obviously there's newscasters so like chandler at this point we think is like has won Because she's famous. Yes. And she finds out from the interviewer that Veronica Sawyer is being credited as the mastermind. Because Mm -hmm. Veronica posted the video. Right. And it's going down as a suicide. Yeah, as a mass suicide. Because Veronica posted that, like, suicide pack video JD took a couple episodes ago. Mm -hmm. And the cameraman goes, did we get a name? And the newscaster after the interview goes, just say a friend of Veronica Sawyer. This girl is nothing. Yes. So kind of that, like, in 10 minutes, Veronica Sawyer became famous and Heather Chandler became nothing. hmm So then we go to this all-white room and we see a girl in white dancing ballet. And it pulls out and we realize that she's Brianna Parker. Yes. All in white, dancing on point, able-bodied, beautiful, whole. And... Like, she's not blown up. So we immediately know, like, something's happened because she has no signs of explosion. Yes. Um, and then we start to see the nerds. And then we see Captain Exposition dancing with 
Shelby Dunstock. Remember the girl with the Hell Sa- the Hail Satan tattoo? Yeah. She's made it to this. And we see Heather Duke sitting alone in like what would have been the VIP lounge in this area. Kurt approaches her and they dance. We see Ram dance with a girl we've never seen. I'm not sure if she was supposed to be Jesus Julie or... I don't know where the hell Jesus Julie went in this show. Yeah. And we kind of see all of these characters, some of whom are leads and some of whom are supporting characters, kind of like dancing in happy, fluffy cloud heaven. And Kurt and Duke are dancing and then someone taps Kurt in the shoulder and says, may I cut in? And it's Heather McNamara. Yes. And she and Duke... Uh, dance and kind of like forgive each other and ask why they were so mean. And then in like a nice moment, Duke says to uh, Heather McNamara, did Veronica make it? Yeah. And Mac just like kind of ruefully shakes her head, but they continue dancing. And then the door opens and Veronica, who is roughed up, still wearing the red dress, because everyone else is like wearing cool white white clothing now, and still has the gunshot wound. And also now has been affected by the explosion walks through this beautiful white prom. And Betty is laughing with the two stoner girls and dancing with them. And she goes, Betty! And Betty can neither see nor hear her. And Betty has reverted back to what she looked like at the beginning of the uh, series. Yeah, she's no longer cool military Betty. Uh, Veronica tries to talk to and touch the Heathers and they can neither see nor hear her. Or feel, yeah. Her her hand kind of goes through them in a very poorly done effect. And then JD walks through in the same state. But JD, unlike every, unlike Veronica, JD immediately comes in and goes, Veronica? Yes. JD, Veronica tries to talk to her quote, quote, friends first. Yes. They're standing next to each other and we establish they can neither hear nor see each other as well. Right. So then she starts to go, like, she starts to lose it and she runs outside screaming for JD. Yeah. The door closes behind her and locks and she can no longer even get in and see them. Right. And... One of the extras just closes the curtain so Veronica can't even look in anymore. She's alone in the hallway crying hysterically. And JD just sits down next to her and st- has a thousand yard stare because they cannot sense one another. Right. Then we see it like goes down a long hallway and the lights go out and a croquet ball rolls in. And it, we see a, a old fashioned shoe crush the croquet ball and it's Marie Antoinette holding a bloody dagger. Yeah. And then we get a title card that says Heather's revolution. Yes. The show that will thank God never happen. So this show ends on a terrible ending and then has the audacity to tease a sequel. Yes. I guess because the theory being like, well, how would we have a sequel if all of our leads are dead? Yeah. It was going to be like an American horror story situation where, we were going to get new characters. And this show has been unfavorably compared to American Horror Story by uh, certain seasons of American Horror Story suffer from there's not a likable protagonist. Yeah, I don't care about these people syndrome. And this show, a lot of the reviews said like this show really suffered from that. Yeah, I didn't like anyone except for Betty Finn in the like in an episode. I liked Duke sometimes. Yeah. So I, I, here's my biggest problem. Uh, you can definitely look at this as Veronica wins. Because Veronica successfully blows up the school. Mm-hmm. It's, she successfully like is torturing 
uh, Heather Chandler because she's made Heather Chandler nothing. And Veronica is everything right now. Yeah. Like, her name is famous. She has made her stamp on the world. Yeah. And if you listened, I know it's hard, but if you listen to JD and Veronica's insane babble, they describe what they're doing as a sacrifice for the greater good. The greater good. In the end, this explosion kills all these people and they all end up happy. Yeah. While they do end up suffering, it's part of the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So you can totally look at this and be like, wow, Veronica's great. And that's horrible. And the bomb is so efficient that we are not given any other signal of survivors. Right. So like, they, everyone is seemingly killed instantly. Yes. Um, which, so like... JD and Veronica think they did the right thing. Like, the only punishment they sustain is that they didn't get to go to Fluffy Cloud Heaven. They just get to yeah. watch. Um, I, what this show did to Betty Finn is horrible. Yeah. Like, they bring her back to kill her. To kill her. They bring her back to undermine her and be like, all she ever cared about was popular. Also, now she's dead. Yeah. Uh, there, there's just so much bad here. Every message in this show is wrong. And, like, if you want to argue it's parody, it's the poorest parody I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I know last episode we talked about how, like, parody is turning something up till it's ridiculous. Yeah. And it never gets ridiculous. It just becomes more horrible in the in this show. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the research that I have here. Please. And this show was supposed to air on... Can, can, do you know which network was supposed to air the show originally? Uh, I, th- I think TV Land. TV Land. You know, it almost makes sense <laughs> because that that is definitely like marketed toward Gen Xers. Yes. Um, and it was supposed to be a thirty-minute comedy, but the showrunners turned in a long pilot, so then they made it an hour dramedy. They were offered thirteen episodes, but only took ten because the pacing in the show is awful it's all over the place so like they could barely fill out 10 right and the showrunner was completely uh unrepentant about everything in the show i knew it i couldn't find anything confirming this but i in some of my research uh some of the cast members were apparently relieved the show wouldn't really air yeah uh when i looked for cast twitter feeds because i usually do uh, Duke's actor has deleted his Twitter. Uh, Chandler's actor has a Twitter feed, but doesn't look like she's ever used it. And Betty Finn only tweets about the other projects she's been in. I mean, I feel especially bad for Duke and Chandler because, like, Heather Duke's other uh, major product is bonding on Netflix, that consent nightmare bondage show. Oof. And uh, Heather Chandler was in You? On Netflix, the the stalker yes. show, and it's like, oh, just do something safe, guys. <laughs> yeah, like uh, Veronica's actress tweets roughly once a year. Okay. Um, and like she hasn't really tweeted. I hate to say it. She has nine hundred and twenty tweets, 
But, like, they dry up right around yeah. when this show starts airing. And then she tweets, like, once a year. Yeah, I'm, I'm not the biggest Veronica fan. I'm not the biggest JD fan, performance-wise. Uh, they had the most lines, so they were the most ru- ruined by this story. The other actors, I think they're all, like, great actors. It's a shame that they're in this horrendous show. Well, and I'm not even sure it's so much performance as, like... Grace Victoria Cox, who's the actress who plays Veronica, was given such a weird role to play. Yeah, an impossible role. Role, really. Like, they ask her to play victim, to play psycho, and to go back and forth. So it's impossible for her to, like, build a character. Yeah, and also be as blank as possible. Because remember, you're nothing. And she also just, like... And this is something that you can cast two of the greatest actors in the world, but you can't fake chemistry... She and JD don't have great chemistry. Yeah, they just don't click. And Heather's lives and dies on the relationship between JD and Veronica. You need that relationship to be the selling point of the series. Yeah. Uh, JD and Veronica is an extremely difficult character. uh, Because when you have the movie Veronica, Veronica was originally a much darker character in the original script of the film. When Winona Ryder was cast, they kind of eased off of that a little bit and emphasized her being quirky mm-hmm. and weird over her being evil. Because they had Winona Ryder. Like, they had the Cadillac of quirky actresses. In the musical, they knew they couldn't always rely on having a Winona Ryder type available, so they sand down the nasty parts off Veronica and make her a hero. She is much less complicit in the murders, and... She ultimately leaves JD and becomes the hero. Yes. In this, again, you're only worrying about one actress. So this mm-hmm. isn't like the musical where you're like, we have to make this role so that, you know, Jane Q High School can eventually play it. They didn't know what to do with Veronica, so they went in every direction. Yeah. JD is, so, is written to be such an annoying prick. In this show. He's so... Ugh, he's so pretentious and he's so annoying. Christian Slater and uh, Ryan McCartan, who was the original JD on the Off-Broadway show, bring this very appealing energy to JD of like, you know he's bad news, mm-hmm. but he's still attractive? Yeah. Look, the way I kind of see it is Christian Slater, because he's doing a Jack Nicholson impression the whole time... <laughs> There's like a silliness to him. Yeah. So he could say really horrible things, but like it's hard to take him seriously because he's a cartoon character. Yeah. And JD is also filed down a little bit in the musical. He's still evil, but they do not make it ambiguous whether he really loves Veronica. Musical JD loves Veronica. Right. In this, the love story is also wildly inconsistent. They're always fighting. Their love is God till it's not. Right. Uh, she is willing to be done with him multiple times. It's, uh, just, it does not work. Uh, the McAuliffe, who, Jason McAuliffe, who is the showrunner, said the series intentionally didn't handle anything responsibly. He said, quote, like the original, we do hit every hot button issue, including suicide. The Heathers are aspirational. When you watch the original movie, they're the people you want to be, fortunately or unfortunately. Uh, the showrunner has no other executive producer credits, has written and directed very little. Right. He's mostly like a lighting designer, and his credits go back to the mid-90s. 
So like, he's definitely not in the world that he's trying to portray. Right. I found it super interesting. We watched the Australian edit and after the credits, there's always like a title card for a suicide hotline. Right. Uh, which we watched only the pilot in the American edit. Everything else we watched, the international edit. Right. And there was no similar title card. And the sh- one of the producers kind of complained about running this through Paramount and said like, in a baffling quote, was like, Netflix let 13 Reasons Why do whatever they wanted. I wish we were on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Let's bite that hand that's feeding you. Well, it's also... Netflix got raked over the coals oh, for 13 oh, yeah. Reasons. They later retroactively had to cut the... Prota- like, had to cut the protagonist's suicide scene. Mm-hmm. Because the outcry was so big. And, like, reviews of this... I literally saw the quote, This makes 13 Reasons Why look tasteful. Yeah. Um, the the other quote that you I think it might just be a, a a Laura Prince original, which was man this show would have been damaging if people saw it. I, I think that's the number one reason more people don't hate this show, is it is it has not been released on an American streaming service through subscription. Right. You had to buy this off Amazon, and there's no season pass. Yeah. You would have had to pay, I believe it was like, what, $3 an episode? $3 an episode. And in a world where no one's buying media that way, $30 to watch this show yeah. seems like, you're like, ah, no thank you. No. $30 is three months of Netflix. Yeah. Like. That's more than our Patreon makes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, this show is kind of like behind a paywall. It's not... It was so quietly buried because entertainment journalism talked about talked a lot about it when it was coming mm. out. But when it got delayed three times, by the time it aired, no one was talking about Heathers anymore. No. Because the pilot was released in February. And the pilot got savaged because the pilot is terrible. It's horrible. And so by the time the show actually ran... One, it ran in chunks of like mm. episode seven and eight didn't run. There was no episode 10. So if you were only watching this on TV, like you missed, like think about it. You watched episode nine and you're like, wait, what happened? Where, where episode seven and eight? What does Duke remember? What's going on? Oh my God. Yeah. It's, what's crazy to me is could you imagine if somehow, by episode nine, when this ran on Paramount, it had become a sensation, and they would have had to have made a season two that started at prom. Yeah, <laughs> like pff, that makes like as little sense as this makes. The idea that they would have to do a whole other season that starts at prom is insanity. Uh, they also uh, in the Paramount edit the. The uh, shooting game that JD plays in the police station is cut. Uh, Seven and eight don't air in America, but they were... uh, On Paramount. They were online. Yeah. And uh, the showrunner said like, quote, Obviously, I wish fans could see the 10th episode, but the producers and I felt strongly about not changing anything in it. So it's been considered too controversial for you, uh, for United States, our audience. Yeah, which sounds to me like him trying to create buzz around something. Yeah. Like, ooh, watch what you are not allowed to see. Oh, it's something terrible and offensive. What do you know? 
I, I also noticed that every review has a factual error. Oh, really? Where they talk about, like, the school blowing up like it does in the movie. The school does not blow up up in the movie. (laughs) Uh, The original ending was the bomb goes off. Right. Uh, And the dance party, like, Heaven Prom is the original ending of the screenplay of Heathers. Interesting. But they were like, that shit didn't fly in 1989. Yeah. Did you think it was going to fly in 2018? Yeah. So I I really thought a lot about this show because we, you know, the central conceit of our show is stay tuned or stay doomed. I don't think it's a huge spoiler to tell you we didn't like a lot of the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you want to talk about how, how to fix it? Yeah. So since the central conceit of the show is stay tuned or stay doomed, uh, I think it's not really a spoiler to say that we both hated this. Yeah, stay doomed, guys. Stay doomed. That being said, I don't think the property of Heathers is... Uh, one argument I keep seeing is that Heathers cannot be updated and cannot be done in 2020. Yes. Uh, I don't agree with that. Yes. Here are several ways that it can be done. Uh, I thought about how you could salvage 85% of this show as it runs and uh, varying amounts. Like some of it's about half, some of it's about 85 and make at least a cohesive storyline. Because to me, the biggest problem with this show is it's effing incoherent. Yes. Um, it's damaging, it's offensive, but on top of all of that, it's not very good. No. Uh, I, I, you, you compared this to South Park earlier. Yes. Uh, I'm going to compare it to South Park now. All right. Of This reminds me of very early South Park when Trey Parker and Matt Stone would just write in naughty words or offensive concepts and go, hee hee hee, we funny. Yeah. Like, that's what this feels like. Before they kind of, like, grew up and added more, like, social satire. Yeah. This feels, like, the Heather's best insults are the ones with no obscenities in them. Yes. Like, Duke calls somebody an aborted queef weasel and you're like, okay. Mm -hmm. It's so much more effective when Heather Chandler calls JD a human wallet chain. Yes. Of, like, that's so... More, it's so much more evocative. Yes, an Ugg boot latte is another good insult. Uh, it reminds me of uh, my grandmother. Uh, she called my uncle, uh, who was with her daughter-in-law, a moldy piece of bread. Instead of yes. calling him like a son of a bitch or any other name with curses in it, a moldy, he's a moldy piece of bread. She's got to get mm. rid of him. And you're just like, Bleh. Yeah. It's more evocative. Like, the more creative insults. Mm. And that's also what Heathers did in the movie. Yeah. Um, they cut you deep. Yeah. Cause I, like, the biggest insult I remember ever being said to me was, I was going on a rant about something. Can you believe it, guys? I was going on a rant about something, and the guy just, after I was done, just took a beat and then just went, you're a Duran Duran fan, aren't you? I went, yeah. And he went, I could tell. And walked away. <laughs> and that sits in my chest to this day of like, what What does that mean about me? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like, those more, like, clever insults. So, I thought of about three ways that this show could have been better. Okay. I have three as well. All right, we'll go one, 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 one. Okay, that sounds good. Uh, my first one is 
Heather McNamara being entirely spared and becoming the protagonist. Her death is social and we see her kind of like be cast out from, you know, high school society. Yeah. And then we see her kind of like, because no one's giving her the time of day, she's no longer really like thinking about the things she used to think about. And she's the one who starts like kind of realizing something is up. Yeah, I'm definitely pro the idea of a protagonist. And to me, McNamara feels like the wasted opportunity because her character was dispatched so early and never really felt like they needed to be written. Sometimes when characters die on this show, it feels like we didn't know what to do with her, so we killed her. And somebody has to die. Yeah. Because we want people to die in this show. We didn't kill Chandler, so we have to kill McNamara. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's definitely a way to go about it. Uh, my thought, and this is honestly how I thought this show was going to end. I thought they were all already in hell. Okay. Like there are so many like Satanistic and, uh, you know, symbols in the bathrooms and, and throughout like the, during the school shooter sequence, uh, there is, uh, the, the eye of the, uh, I forget the exact name, but like the Illuminati eye Mm -hmm. is just like on a mannequin. Like yeah. next to Veronica, that and with the girl with the hail Satan tattoo. Mm-hmm. My thought was, all these people are suffering horribly, especially like Trailer Parker, who yeah. I always felt like she needs to win the lottery by the end of the show due to the amount of suffering that she went through. Yeah, I thought the show was going to end with like instead of the bomb going off. Everything was going to reset and it was going to go again. And Mm -hmm. this is just their eternal torment. And the only people that were not being tortured were the teachers Mm -hmm. and Captain Exposition. Because his entire job was to go up and go, did you hear? And stir the shit. And I thought they were going to do a thing where you then saw why each person was, like, condemned. Like... Trailer Parker was going to have done something super awful. Okay. And there was like this weird note of the one African-American nerd that his family died due to the stove being on. Yeah, he left the stove on and all of his siblings died. I thought they were going to like cut to that and it was going to be done on purpose. And it was going to be like he murdered his family. And every single student in there was going to be a horrible murderer that deserved to be tortured. Which wouldn't have made the show good for the record. But it would have made sense where at the end I'd be like, oh, that's why no one was likable. They're all terrible people who deserve to be in hell. So it, while I don't think it would fix the show, the show would finally make sense. Option number two. Go. Drop the freaking croquet killer subplot that doesn't go anywhere anyway. Yeah, unneeded. And move Waters' death way up in the series to like if you're this is assuming Heather McNamara dies the same way she does in the show yeah but the next episode is essentially JD and Veronica vigilante murdering Waters and have it be JD kind of like easing Veronica into the murder Mm -hmm. and then if he can get her to kill off Waters with him he then also has something to hold over her for the rest of the series of like I'll go to the cops and say you did it. Yeah. And kind of do this like Veronica ends up thinking she's doing the right thing for the right reasons and then everything goes to shit. And it can be more similar to how the movie and the musical work with JD and Veronica's relationship. 
of like, they kill someone who deserves it and it's fun. And then the slippery slope of like who JD thinks deserves it. Mm-hmm. And then by the time JD kills Ram for flirting with Veronica, because usually the, uh, att- the suicide attempt by the Martha Dunstock in this, the, uh, the Brianna Parker character is the like realization, the wake up moment for Veronica that mm-hmm. like, Oh, this is horrible. What's going on here. Veronica doesn't have that moment in this. So I kind of had this thought of like, you could have switched those two murders of Ram and uh, Mr. Waters and then kind of done the storyline of like JD starts to like frog in the boiling water Veronica about murder. Yeah. And then that would lead into the confrontation of the finale and then like she tries to disarm the bomb and then you can kind of go in a more traditional place. Right. And let Veronica build her identity around... I've done something terrible and now I'm atoning. Yeah. Make it more true to the movie. Yes. In a way. And the musical. And the musical. Yeah. Actually, more the musical because in the musical, she is completely innocent. Yeah. The movie, they they do shoot it in a way that leaves certain things ambiguous. Yeah. It it seems like the movie's the middle. Yeah. And the musical ran in one direction and the TV show sprinted and drove in the other direction. Yeah. Uh. My second choice, because I personally believe you cannot shine a turd. And for the most part, this show is a turd. Like, if you wanted to fix this, step one should be throwing it out. Okay. And this is, at its core, it is a show with Zoomer characters based off of a property for the Gen Xers. Yeah. So if if it's a property for the Gen Xers, move this up in time. And make it a workplace comedy. Make the Heathers these like... Middle managers. Middle managers that like, they don't do any work, but they keep getting raises. And then with like Veronica as a secretary, one, you can totally work the Forger storyline in much easier. Mm -hmm. And you make JD like the intern. Yeah. And it's about like backstabbing and climbing the social ladder and you can kind of have this commentary of like grow up you're not in high school anymore yeah but it's all the same dynamics as high school yeah in a in a office setting that's how i think you should do this because then you're hitting the audience that would care about heathers you would also get out of this like weird identity politics hole that the show digs itself in the first episode yeah (laughs) um I, I piggybacking off that, this isn't my third idea, but you could have just done this with the teachers. Yes. Like said it in the high school, but the teachers are the Heathers. Yeah. That's stu- a good idea. Actually. And the students are just kind of like, what the hell? Like, mm-hmm. and like that could have worked. My third idea is to really commit to Veronica being the monster. Yes. I like this idea. And there's really easy ways to do this. Like, you keep the croquet killer storyline because uh, that works. Ram's death never really works in this show. Like Ram dies for so little so early. Mm-hmm. And is forgotten. Yeah, you would still have to push Ram's death back. But the idea of when she has that quote, quote, change where she's like, let's stop killing people after Waters. You change three lines in that. You change it to 
I know you have big plans for prom. Mm -hmm. We need to lay low for a little bit. Just make her smarter. Make her deadlier than the male. You can even change up that JD doesn't commit any of the murders and you can gender swap and JD's in over his head. Yeah. It's also, this would work because of the idea of JD is the archetypal school shooter type. Right. Like, the stereotype is built around Christian Slater's character from Heathers. Right. So Veronica's whole I'm nothing, I'm boring is the brand. Yeah, she's hiding. No one suspects the popular boring girl. She's beautiful. She's rich. She's popular. Uh, she doesn't have anything to do with any of this. Why would she bother? Yeah. And have that be the brand. Yeah. To, to steal a line from my own commentary when I was doing wrestling is uh, JD is a loose cannon. Mm-hmm. And then have Veronica turn him into a laser. Yeah. Like he's a loose cannon and now Veronica's going to give him focus. How dangerous is that? Yeah, like, he's he's on the edge. And, like, the red scrunchie disappears. Veronica, we've now seen Veronica is willing to do, like, the psych hold. Veronica should be actively exploiting JD's psyche. In yes. This. Like, she should be wearing that scrunchie mm-hmm. in certain scenes. Like, the fact that that's supposed to be a big character totem for JD, and we never see it again. Mm-hmm. Like... If Veronica's going to be the villain, lean into it. Make her evil. Make her, like, make it to the point where he was a bad person, but he's kindergarten next to her. Yeah. And, like, really just crush home that he can still be a murderer, but he's in over his head. You could even have that be why he kills Ram, to impress her. Like... Not because he's jealous, but, like, he thinks that's what's going to win her over. Right. And, like, just the opportunities of, we made Veronica crazy, and we made her evil, but we could never commit to it. Yeah. Just drives me up the wall. Which leads me to my next point of the inconsistent color theory of Heathers. Yes. They seem to be leaning toward when Veronica is Good, she wears blue. When she's evil, she wears red. But red is Heather Chandler's color. Right. But or they maybe don't, it's pink. But they don't put Chandler in red that often. Right. Chandler's often in, like, pinks. And I was like, why don't they just pick a different color for Veronica? Like, they were doing a thing where they put JD in purple a lot. Yeah. Like, not physically dressed in purple, but they bathe him in purple light a lot. M- my thought is... Veronica, good Veronica is blue, evil Veronica is red. You mix them together, you get purple. Right. So, like, it's a blending of the two. Maybe? I don't know. I don't want to put this much thought into the show. But, like, if you were going to do that, put Chandler in pink. Yeah. Like, have Chandler's color be, like... Plus, it also kind of is a wink and a nod to another major update of Heather's, which would be Mean Girls. Yes. It's your wink and a nod to Regina George. Yeah, that would have been good. And putting Heather in pink would have now kind of given you like, okay, Chandler's in pink and that opens up Veronica to take red. Yeah. This show is a disjointed, sloppy mess. Mm -hmm. And the messaging is bad. The audience focus is bad. 
this show doesn't work. And yeah. all of the reasons this show doesn't work are in the writer's room. Yeah. And that brings me to the way I, I'd fix this uh, if we wanted to keep it as a high school drama. Because uh, they want to, they talk about everything. Like, we go from school shooting to fat shaming. To dress to, code. To dress code, to LGBT. Like, it's all over the place. You pick one thing. And I, I think what they start in the beginning is you pick cancel culture. Mm-hmm. And no one actually dies. All the deaths are social. And you can just do all these things where, like, someone commits social suicide. And Heather Chandler is canceling people so that they are now nothing. And you have a table in the uh, the cafeteria that the, they just call the graveyard. Right. And once you're canceled, you sit there and no one talks to you. And then you can do a thing where, like, Veronica is going to try to break out of this and she deletes her Facebook and her Twitter, and she goes completely off the grid. And it's like, well, now you're nothing. It's like, well, I'm not nothing because I'm still here. It's like, but you're socially nothing. Like, you could do this whole great thing. And then at the end, you could even start playing like a little meta game of like, we're going to get canceled. This is all going to be canceled. And like meta talk about the show. Yeah. Being canceled. And that works but because like the show drops... Um the show really drops the social media angle constantly. Oh, yeah. Like, constantly forgets about it. Yeah. And I think it's because it's written by Gen Xers. Yeah, who, who don't, don't understand it. Who don't think like that and don't think through social media. I mean, Generation Z deals with this thing that, like, millennials were kind of lucky because we were, it was at the very end of our dumb years that this became a problem. Gen Z has a per. Do you remember watching Doug and... Principal Bohm would go on about your permanent record. Yes. Which was not a thing. But for Generation Z, it's a thing. Yeah, everything you do is saved forever. And, like, the idea of living under that kind of microscope, no wonder anxiety and suicide rates are high. Mm -hmm. An intelligent show could tackle that idea. Yeah. This show... This show wants to revel in the meanness without doing the work. Yeah. The, the commentary they have about social media in Heather's never goes beyond it's dumb. Yeah. Like, it's such a failure in... It, uh, it's a failure in so many ways, but it's also a failure solely on the head of the writers. Yes. These... A mess. Absolutely. And the uh, entire second season was written because they desperately, desperately, desperately tried to sell this show. Uh, they were... Just actively trying to sell this to any streaming service, anybody who would take it. Yeah, because it was a, it was a dud, and they knew it. And nobody wanted this show. They wanted it to go to Netflix because Netflix would have done the like thirteen reasons why e look to it. Right. And like the show just fails. Yes. You know, JD and Veronica don't have the chemistry or the consistency in their writing to keep the story afloat. Uh, the show seems to, for long periods of time, forget about or get bored with the Heathers. Yes. Uh, we have problems with, they realize they didn't have any other sympathetic characters, so we just throw a ton. The stuff with Ver with Chandler getting the lead because the drama teacher's friends with her mom never comes back. No. The croquet killer is wasted airtime. Yeah. Like, the show... I'm going to compare it here unfavorably with Riverdale of 
But they both do that thing where they try to do too much because they want the YouTube OMG moment, mm. but they don't want to put the work in to earn it. Yeah. Um, we also, we kill too many people who are likable because we have this problem of, in the movie and the musical, the only people who die, or excuse me, in, yeah, no, the movie and the musical, I was using show interchangeably for a while yeah. and I confused myself. The only people who die in the movie and the musical are Chandler, Kurt, and Ram. Yeah. Chandler is, and I quote, a mythic bitch. Everything we see, we we also see Chandler do things out of spite. We see her do things that are just cruel for the sake of it. Chandler forces Veronica to forge a note to Martha Dunstock in the musical from her crush Mm -hmm. to trick her into going to a party where she's going to be mocked. Right. So... Chandler is a bad person. Kurt and Ram attempt to or succeed, depending on your interpretation of certain things in the movie and the musical, to date rape Heather McNamara and or Veronica Sawyer. So they, you, like, obviously nobody deserves to be murdered, but in the world of a dark comedy, you could justify like, oh, these fake people who did fake bad things get fake k- killed. Yeah. Like, but none of those people do anything on that level. Yeah. Like, Chandler's, Chandler kind of does. Like, the pilot goes with Chandler's terrible and Chandler would, quote, quote, deserve it in the universe of the movie and the musical. Curtin Ram are nice. They're very nice. Like, for the longest time, I had the theory that, like, if you showed happiness, you were killed. Which is kind of circling back to my idea that they were all in hell. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, if you're seeing joy, we're going to cut an end to that. But I didn't go anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I guess Kurt was happy because he'd just done his prom Mm-hmm. Um, the students were happy at prom, and they're all killed. Yeah. Uh, the only person I can't really figure out how to fit in there is Duke. Right. Uh, because Duke isn't happy at the time of her death. Right. I, I did like the symbolism of Duke dying in the yellow flowers. Mm-hmm. Of the idea of like, kind of like this comforting symbol of McNamara. Because that, that's the other thing that's inconsistent with the show. The friendships. Yeah. It, it just dawned on me. Wasn't there a whole dream sequence about Heather McNamara asking Veronica to send her more friends? Yeah, the cold opens of this show that are all Veronica fantasy sequences don't work. I was like, yeah, wait a minute. Didn't, didn't McNamara ask Veronica to kill more people? Yeah, like, but these are these Veronica, because uh, we have the First Lady one, we have like the Disney Princess one. Yeah. And then we have the one with the jewelry store. So we get these, we don't do them every episode. Because yeah. that would be consistent. Yeah, God forbid we have consistency. So we have these like weird dream sequency bits for Veronica that don't work. The friendships are inconsistent. Like, Duke and Veronica at the end of the series are sold to us as being best friends. And like, they love each other. And Veronica um, writes a wrong against Duke at her funeral by putting yeah. the eyeshadow on her. In the first half of the series, we don't see them interact that much, and they don't like each other. Right. So, like, the relationships are done... The second half of the series almost feels like they for, they realize they forgot a bunch of important story notes to make anything matter. Right. So they're trying to cram it all in in the last five episodes. This show is badly written. I know we kind of had this thing when we recorded episode 100, or 101. Yeah. Of every show is someone's baby, and we try to... 
treat it as such. I can't be kind to this show. No. This is the worst show we've ever watched. And, like, there were flashes of... I think the worst thing about the show was there were flashes of fun. And there were flashes of great ideas. Mm -hmm. The the Halo scene. Funny. Yeah. Heather Duke's hellscape. That we never see again, by the way, after that episode. Yeah. Hysterical. Her, like, sensationalist morning announcements. Hysterical. Never seen again. Mm -hmm. The musical is funny. When the show remembers to be a high school show, the show can be fun. Mm Mm-hmm. And it just... That's why I want to take the murder out of it. (laughs) Yeah, and just like the rest of the show. The show is so besotted with the meanness. And it's besotted with the cruelty. Because, yes, Mean Girls is fun. Watching these unlikable characters fight is fun. That's how you get shows like Horrible Bosses and stuff like that. But you have to remember that someone has to be likable. And that something like... There's a difference between watching funny meanness and funny pranks and funny like, oh, these fictional characters are screwing with each other. And then murder. Especially when the murder all seems to be the characters who are kind of sympathetic. Yeah. This show does not work. No. I, I, I was really disappointed because I love, I love the musical. I like the movie a lot. This doesn't work. So thanks for listening. Yeah. Uh, th- thank you to our patrons for, for choosing this. Uh, thank you to Crypt Keeper Matthew for providing us with the, the footage for this. Uh, to uh, our patrons, our future patrons, uh, check out the Patreon. Yeah. Uh, because our latest crypt crowdfunding crypt is up if you want to hear our thoughts on Serenity, the Firefly movie. Uh, I'll have to edit in what won the poll. Because yes. Because right now it is tied. Bum, bum, but, bum. but we'll mention what won the poll soon. Uh, what are we watching next week? Uh, we're watching... You know the title better than I do. Yes, we're watching... It actually has two titles. Oh, the, yeah. I didn't know either of them. It is either The O Show or SteveOdekirk.com. Yeah, I never it would have gotten either a, of those. It is a pilot for a Steve Odekirk uh, kind of a sketch show. This is kind of like your Megan Once a Millionaire. This yes. is something you've wanted to watch for some time. Steve Odekirk was my hero for the longest time. I just thought he was the funniest guy. And uh, he's the director of uh, Kung, or a uh, director and star of Kung Pao Enter the Fist. Uh, he also directed uh, Ace Ventura When Nature Calls. Uh, so you might know him from that. Is he all the thumb movies? He's also all the thumb movies, yes. Because you were like obsessed with those thumb I movies. I love the thumb movies. Thumb Wars, The God Thumb, The Blair Thumb. Bat all, Thumb. Bat Thumb and Franken Thumb. That's all five. Uh, I have all of them. So yeah, I'm very excited for that. So be sure to watch that. There's a link in the comment below. And, uh, you know, join us next week for that one. Yeah, uh, I guarantee it will be less chaotic than this episode. Yes, and uh, I can say that... Uh, our surrender. Oh, I already said that. Never mind. You did. Uh, and then after Steve Odekirk, we will be getting into Razzie Month. Yes. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Yes, I'm excited for some Razzie film. Yeah, we have about two more weeks until the nominations are announced. So we're uh, we're waiting too. Yeah. Uh, my early bet is Doolittle. Do you yes. have an early bet? Uh, I'm going with Artemis Fowl. Okay. So those are our early bets. Uh, maybe next week I'll have another early bet. Yes. And then probably after after that one, we'll get into... Uh, well, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Steve Odekirk actually drops after the nominations. Oh, okay. Because we, we actually do have a backlog right now. Yay! What? 
I know. Uh, so by the time Steve Odekirk drops, we'll have uh, we'll know what the nominations are, and we'll like we'll cut in something at the end of the Steve Odekirk nomination, or at the end of the Steve Odekirk episode, we'll cut something in saying what the nominations are. Yeah. Where can people find us? You can email us at thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. And if you want to talk to me about literally anything besides Heather's, I'm at Plus Two Comedy. If you want to talk about the nuances of the changes of Veronica Sawyer's character and how her inconsistent characterization destroys this television show, I'm at Sprocket League. Until next time, stay doomed.